For more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Good morning, Winnipeg. Good morning, Manitoba. For all those joining us live this morning on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms, we say good morning, universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Alongside Ezra Ginsberg, Dave Manuk going to join us shortly. We welcome you to this morning's edition of the program, getting ready to talk about the Winnipeg Jets for the next couple of hours. And we're going to start with a bang this morning by welcoming to the program our very good friend, J.P. Vijay, joins us on the show to talk about the Winnipeg Jets. J.P., <coughs> no better way to start the morning and start this Winnipeg Jets game day by, than by having you join us for some Jets well, talk. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. And uh, let's be clear, the morning started a couple hours ago, right? You guys been up at it, a couple workouts, we're ready to go. No, we're, we're all dads, JP. We all get up at like <laughs> 6 or, or 6.15. I'm not sure about Drew, but my son Ruben is is almost always in our bed at like 5.30 in the morning. And then, you know, we have to give him a cell phone, phone or an iPad or something. But who needs Dave Manuk, JP? We got you. I don't think we've had you on since the radio days. No, I, it's been a long time. Uh, our schedules have not matched up. Uh, the, the Saturday mornings were usually busy getting on the ice. Uh, my house is a little bit different. I got older kids, so they're sleeping right now. So <laughs> my house is normally pretty quiet in the morning. Yeah, that's uh, something I, I think both Ezzy and I are looking forward to. My daughter's getting yeah. to that point where she sleeps a little bit later than my son. But uh, same thing. It's uh, it's nice when they begin to sleep in a little bit, have a little bit of time to enjoy that uh, coffee before uh, you know getting right into the chaos of the day. Uh, yep. JP, speaking of uh, chaos, the Winnipeg <clears throat> Jets' performance on the ice as of late can uh, charitably be described as chaotic. Certainly the performance has not been up to snuff the standard that uh, they set early in this year. Uh, has not been found for the last you know two weeks three weeks maybe even a little bit longer if you want to go that far back are you what would your level of concern be is there something here that is uh you know raising red flags for you or is that something sort of a function of a long season and maybe this is just a bit of the doldrums and as part of that long season see all of the above i think there is concern <laughs> right like i think uh this is the hardest part of the season guys coming out of the all-star break they're in a let's call it a cushy place with some some you know room behind them to, to wiggle around and then you look at okay we've got new players we've got guys coming off injuries uh the chemistry seems to have uh not been quite as quickly to come back as it was at the start of the season and the decor hasn't really pushed offensively like we've talked about for the whole season. So I think you're looking at different points and all those little subtitles come together and make one big problem. <clears throat> JP, I, you know, when I texted you earlier this week to come on, I asked you if it was okay to ask you about the power play and, and you, you graciously <laughs> said, yes, it's, I don't think it's necessarily something that, you know, you would love to talk about. I mean, at this point, it's almost absurd how much the Jets are, are struggling. And I am one of those people that think that, you know, the Jets will get this turned around and they'll start scoring some power plays simply because they have so many talented players like Connor and, and Ehlers, Shifley, Velarde. I mean, Perfetti, I mean, Morrissey, the, the names go on and on and on. And, you know, I caught, 
you when you were on Winnipeg Sports Talk talking about the power play, and that was right around the time where the Jets turned it around. So in your mind, is this kind of some of the old habits creeping back? Like, what are you seeing that that is is making the Jets' power play so unsuccessful right now? Well, a couple things. We're, we're seeing a slow, lethargic power play that second guesses a lot of decisions. <clears throat> the power play has got to run on, on some sort of rhythm. Uh, you got to go pass, pass, find, you know, put a puck on net, puck retrieval, hit a seam. But, but there has to be, I want to call it a dance to it. And we're seeing a player get the puck, hold on to it, look, hesitate, make a pass. Well, we're talking only fractions of seconds, but those fractions of seconds allow the penalty killers to get into position. Okay, now let's make the next pass. Hold, look. Okay, I don't like my look. I'm going to pass. Well, the, the PK just kind of shifts and holds and moves. You have to make the penalty killers move and get uncomfortable. Step one. We're not doing that, right? The puck has to go bang, 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 attack the net. So it doesn't have to be a perfect shot. But once you get the penalty kill to come down in front of the net, then you'll open up the lanes and the seams across. So right now, it isn't second nature. They're not hitting their routes. The timing's a little bit off on that in the offensive zone. <clears throat> and then they got to make the plays, right? Right now, it's in their mind. It's, okay, we've got to look for the perfect play. Let's be clear. The perfect play is never there. Uh, so, so to me, the steps you're going to look at to gain speed, you're not going to flip the switch and say, okay, today the Jets are going to go two for three on the power play because they passed the puck and shot it, right? There has to be pieces of that puzzle that start to build consistently to eventually get to the successful part. So now let's see, the puck movement has to go and the puck's got to get to the net. Will they score? Hopefully, right? You might get that. But right now we're not seeing that consistently. So they're not going to have successful success consistently. The pieces of the puzzle have to start to apply itself and then the snowball takes place. You can't just say, shoot the puck. Get in the zone, shoot the puck, shoot the puck, shoot the puck. It doesn't always work that way. Shoot the puck. Goalies are good. You need traffic, you need puck retrieval, you have to make the goalies work, you have to make the penalty killers work. So it all has to come in, and it, piece by piece it has to get better. So the first step is move the puck, get pucks to the net. Yes, but it has to be at the right time and at the right situation to allow for puck retrievals, not just a shot with a save and then the deadly face-off that we lose and the puck goes down the ice. So there has to be some symmetry to it, and, it, and it'll take some time, but pieces of the puzzle have to start to add up, and I think that's the big thing. JB, when you're when you're watching this team, and when we've watched this team over the last two or three months, defensive structure was really never in question. I mean, for a vast majority of time, they hadn't even allowed a third goal unless it was an empty net goal. The last few games now, we've seen four, four, four. Are you seeing that same commitment to defensive structure that we saw from December till late January? Uh, we're seeing pieces of it. Uh, we're not seeing all of it. What we really saw when they were in the the height of their goal allotment or the, the bottoms of the goal allotment was that they were not playing in their zone. <clears throat> we're seeing them play in their zone a little bit more frequently. Um, so they're getting worn down defensively. And that's when the, the chinks in the armor start to fall and you, you see pieces of openings and guys missing assignment. What we really saw early was that puck was in, puck was out, right? And they didn't spend any time in their zone. That's why they're not getting scored on. Pretty simple. Puck's not in your zone. You're not getting scored on. So now, you know, the forwards aren't getting back to the quick, quite the same speed to help the D. The D aren't helping the forwards. There's a little bit of space in between both. So now there's an opening for the offensive other team to make plays. And that's where they're really getting lost. I think this has to come together. And you, you haven't heard Rick Bonus talk a lot about the D getting up ice. But to me, when the D get up ice, their gap is so good. 
teams aren't allowed to get into the zone. Right now, the D have maybe been worn out from playing 5D for a little bit, uh, you know, and now there's a little bit of space between. And the forwards aren't quite as tight to come back. So the five-man unit has a space as opposed to being intertwined like this. And that really creates holes in the defensive structure, but also holes in the offensive structure of the Winnipeg Jets. JP Vijay, our guest on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, Saturday morning, the Jets and the Penguins later on this evening in downtown Winnipeg as the Jets look to arrest the losing streak they're currently on. You know, in baseball, you know, when, when you're in a losing streak, you have an ace you can rely on and you hope that ace goes seven innings and sort of drags you out of that losing streak. In hockey, it's not obviously the same. There's not that individual sort of who can carry a team on their back. That said, JP, if you're looking for one player to sort of maybe drag the Jets out of the muck that they're currently in, who do you think that one player is going to be? Ooh, that's a good question. On any given night, that can be anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have two. Uh, I want to say Connor Hellebuck, but he can't score goals. <laughs> right? So he, he can hold the fight and hold the fort for a long time. But eventually, you know, to me, it's got to be the likes of a Josh Morrissey, right? I, I know we're going to, you know, want to say, we're going to want to say Shifley, Kyle Connor, but how much of the offense actually comes from the D core and Josh Morrissey? I think quite a bit. And I think we haven't seen him quite get up, up ice as much. Um, I think of the first year that Rick Bonus was here in training camp and he was chasing his D core up the ice. He's 60 some years old and he's slashing those guys to get up the ice, to close gaps, to create second waves of offense. We haven't seen that. So I think, you know, if I'm looking at one guy, uh, you know, Josh Morrissey is a great guy. I love his work ethic. I think he's one of the guys that can kind of spark this from the backside. Ezzy, you're on mute, buddy. Yeah, sorry about that. I hit stop cam by accident, JP. That's how, that's what happens when you have sausage fingers. I have these thick fingers, and I hit the wrong button. Sorry about that. All good. He's also eating sausage uh, yeah. off air. So really yeah. make- I was going to say, yeah. what's going on there? Yeah, I've got, sorry, I had peanut butter uh, earlier for breakfast, so I've got peanut butter on my fingers. That's why they're sticky. But, no, I, I wanted to ask you about Sean Monaghan because, obviously, it's only been a couple games. Um, and you know, I, I think he's looked fine in, in his couple games. So obviously, you know, we're not going to, you know, start to get too hard on him because the jets have lost a couple of games. I mean, it's not his fault. The jets can't score any goals, but just what do you think of that acquisition? Right? Because I mean, it seems like, it seemed like to us when Monaghan was acquired, it just seemed like a, a perfect fit, a guy that can win face-offs, a guy that can help your power play, uh, you know, veteran experience, playoff experience. Um, what, what was your first impression when the jets acquired Monaghan from Montreal? Yeah, to me, I was in that same boat, right? What what categories does he check off? He's a veteran player. He's played in the playoffs. He can win face-offs. He has been known to produce offensively. <clears throat> so all those things look to point to helping the Jets where they need help. Now, the other intangibles we don't see from a business standpoint, low cap number, right? I think that cost the Jets a little bit of a premium to get him because now that allows them opportunity to add others come trade deadline because he didn't cost a lot of money. So I think all that works out to be, you know, check, 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 check. Now the eye candy test, we have to see after, you know, four, five, six games, how the chemistry is, who he's playing with, and how that's helping uh, get to those situations. Now, often we see with a trade come in, there's a bump of excitement within the dressing room. We haven't really seen that, but I think that kind of the all-star break kind of took away the, the bump of energy because the players weren't together right away. 
Um, so I think that's going to be very important to see his first home game. Let's see how it goes, right? The, the bump at home, playing in front of the crowd. It's going to be a Saturday evening. Uh, it's going to be a rocking rink. Uh, you know, Jets fans are excited and they're nervous. Uh, you know, some people have two hands on the panic button. Some people are like, well, let's give it some time. Some people are like, meh, uh, we'll see. This is the same Jets as last year. So lots to show for. We're not seeing a lot of change in the game. We just have to see them finish. And they're getting chances. They're not quite getting the premium chances we're used to seeing. So I think that'll be the key is can we go from the chances to the premium chances and then eventually capitalize. JP, on Tuesday, we saw Brendan Dillon, uh, you know, lay out a big hit and, of course, ends up getting the suspension for three games. So what were your what were your takeaways from that? Because when you look at the Jason Zucker hit on Nick Cousins, which was also three games, and you compare that to the Brendan Dillon one, you're like, I don't understand how the Department of Player Safety equates these two things. But what were your takeaways as a former pro? Yeah, so, I mean... A long time ago, former pro, uh, <laughs> that would have been a fight. Uh, that would have definitely been a fight. Probably not a suspension back in the day, right? Uh, there would have been the onus on the players to deal with the situation. And now we're looking at onus is on the hitter, almost never on the person getting hit. Uh, I think there is, has to be a, a balance on that. I think it's impossible to have uh, a hit to the head is an automatic five games. This is this because every situation is so different in hockey. It's not like football where it's scripted. Where and, and things like that. Uh, hockey, just with the pace of play, the uh, the chaotic nature of the game doesn't allow for, okay, this is an automatic two-game suspension. This is four. This is five. Then you have to take in the, the history of the player and so on and so on and so on and so on. So I think, you know, I thought it was going to be two. When they said three, uh, it didn't really surprise me. He hits the guy in the head. Yes, the player's lunging. He's smaller uh, and so on and so on. But the pace of play... And Brennan Dillon plays with that edge, and that makes him who he is and and very good. Um, that's going to happen uh, on occasion, right? Uh, I wasn't that surprised. The contact is to the head. The player goes flying. The helmet's off. So I think all of a sudden, the parts lead to somewhere between two and four. Uh, I wasn't surprised. Three, it's kind of the happy medium. Uh, you know, coaches want those players to play on the edge like he does. So are they mad? No, they're disappointed. They won't have him in the lineup. But that's going to happen. <clears throat> JP, you mentioned JP VJ, our guest on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. You mentioned the trade deadline in answering the Sean Monahan question, which you said, you know, astutely the Jets still have room and cap space to make another move. And a lot of people are talking about a move on the back end. I personally would rather see them sort of maybe shore up another winger position. From your perspective, which should be the priority for the Winnipeg Jets? And then sort of an addendum to that question would be, how does Vili Hainala factor in on the Jets' back end if it's, you know, vis-a-vis a potential acquisition? Uh, I'm going to go with, I'm going to reserve my answer for another couple of weeks. <laughs> okay. uh, I need to see two more weeks of what the Winnipeg Jets need. Uh, right now, if they continue to slump offensively, you're going to look to, you know, try and add another forward. Uh, I think if things go like they should and the Jets come back to where they were, uh, do you add a depth forward and a depth defenseman? I think, you know, or are you able to swing and bring in, a, you know, a right-handed defenseman who can maybe be a little bit more consistent offensively to help relieve some of the pressure off Pionk and Morsi? I think that's what you have to look at as well. But what's the cost and what's the time? Ville Hanola. <laughs> uh, this is the, <laughs> the question for everybody right now. Would you like to see him play? Yeah. 
he hasn't played a national hockey league game in four and a half months. You cannot just come into rhythm, especially as a younger player into the national hockey league at stretch time where weekly the pace of the game is getting thicker, heavier, meaner, faster, more intense and just slide right in. Like there's no problem. Uh, I think that is a big obstacle to overcome. And especially the Winnipeg jets are looking to push into a top three playoff spot. Uh, I would assume ideally they want to be in the number one or two position because uh, playing on the road against, I believe, is it Las Vegas right now? If the playoffs started, uh, would not be an easy matchup or right. Or Dallas, pardon me. Dallas, but yeah. I think, yeah, sorry. Um, so I think you're going to have to push for that at least second spot. If not, if you can, you know, catch into that first spot, which is really tight. So I think uh, long winded answer is I got to see more. Like what, what are the needs? Are they struggling defensively? Not really. They're not giving up a lot, a lot of goals. Um, you know, there's some missed assignments. They're not scoring a lot of goals right now, but is that a byproduct of all the pieces that have kind of come back or are we just waiting to see, you know, if the Jets hit that streak where they play again and they play their game, you might just look to add, you know, a number somewhere four, five, six, seven defensemen. Because I think right now, Logan Stanley is a very good, you know, five, six, seven, uh, but he doesn't have a lot of experience either. <laughs> Poor guy hasn't played this year. What's he got? Like, you know, 10 games. So <clears throat> hard to find rhythm and the big guy needs to find rhythm. So how do they do that? I think Vili Hanola, unfortunately, unless there's a major injury to Morrissey or Pionk, you can't have him come into the lineup and be five or six. What's he going to do? Right? Flip pucks out. That's what Schmidt's doing. And it's hard for an offensive player to come into a defensive situation. So, uh, you know, piggybacking on that, does that mean you can't, it, it, that, you know, incorporating him into the lineup <clears throat> at this stage of the season is almost too difficult? Or is it something that they, how do you get him into the Jets lineup if they determine? Because we know he would have made the, the, the team uh, out of training camp. They were clear on that. And Kevin Sheveldayoff spoke highly about him in his most recent press availability. So, how do you sort of incorporate Billy Hainala at this point in the season? Or is it almost too big of a mountain to climb? I think you're getting pretty close to too big of a mountain to climb unless there's an injury. Okay. Uh, right. Like, I just, I just think. He's finding his rhythm with the moose, right? And we're seeing him kind of get better on a weekly basis right now. But I think this jump to the National Hockey League is now two steps. And add the, he hasn't played, he's played, but he hasn't played at the National Hockey League level in four months, the physicality, the grind. So where are you going to put him in that decor right now? So let's just go that way. If he does come in, who's coming out, right? Let's, Pick your poison. Nate Schmidt's the the the, the fire. Oh, Everyone's Schmidt. poking at that. Nate Schmidt. Yeah. So Vili Hinola comes in for Nate Schmidt. Does Vili Hinola kill penalties? No. So that means two of the Jets' decor, Morrissey and Hinola, don't kill penalties. Right? So now you're down to four. Now, if the D-man takes a penalty, you're down to three D-man killing penalties, or is Josh Morrissey going up to 28 minutes a night again? And you're putting him in positions to get hurt. Is he going to play the power play, Vili Hinola? Mm, probably not right away. So. Are you putting him in a position to succeed? What's Billy Hinola's strength? Moving the puck, supporting the uh, offense, and creating power play opportunities. We've taken away a couple of those situations already because he's not going to line up behind Shifley, his line, because he's on the third pairing. right? So you're looking at, are we putting him in a position to succeed? I don't see that as a successful position for Billy Hinola to come in you know, at game 55 of the season when everyone else is in rhythm. How, how is he going to apply support? How is he going to look uh, on the line and everyone's going to go, well, he's not ready. 
well, he's not ready because you haven't put him in a position to succeed is, is the way I look at it. <clears throat> and, and JP, you know, I, I'm going to pivot here because I was going to ask you a different question, but because you're ask talking away, to, ask away. Yeah, well, no, but <laughs> on, on the topic of defensemen, I was kind of shocked to be honest with you that I was like one of the only people either in local media or in the Jets Twitterverse that was really upset that Declan Chisholm was lost to waivers. And the reason, and, and, you know, Dave M, you know, watches more moose than maybe anybody in the city with the exception of uh, Zinger. Um, but you know, like the, the main reason why I was, was not happy with that is, and I realized that losing guys on waivers is part of business, right? Like, like you mentioned earlier, like the NHL is a business. I realized that guys get lost on waivers. A lot of people, I took flack because a lot of people were saying, well, the Jets were going to play Logan Stanley anyways, and Vili Hainala is more talented than Declan Chisholm. That wasn't my point, though. My point was that now you don't have any other options aside from calling up either Hainola or Kyle Capobianco, right? And then you have to place a player on waivers. So the Jets placed AJF on waivers. They didn't lose him, so they could put Toninato, in theory, on waivers. But my whole point was... Now, basically, you don't have that extra defenseman. You only have Logan Stanley because, like you said, the Jets clearly clearly have decided not to call up Hainala. So, again, I guess I'm not – I mean, we can't go back two weeks and, and you know, I mean, what's done is done. Chisholm's a member of the Wild, but that was my whole point that don't you want to have an extra body like a, like a young 24-year-old defenseman? Like, wouldn't this be a perfect game, even though Chisholm hasn't played since December? Wouldn't it be nice to have that option right now? You're playing the Dallas Stars in game three of the first round of the playoffs, Izzy. Are you bringing in Chisholm or Stanley? Yeah, no, I see your point, right? Like, And, and that, that that was what, what so, I was trying to say. On, it wasn't the why hold Stanley. On, hold on, though, Drew. Hold on, though, why Drew. Why Stanley? Just, Look at Dallas. Point, no, they're no, big, I, they're physical, they're mean. What's Chisholm going to do? Thing. But, yeah. I, but my point, JP, was that it wasn't a Chisholm versus Stanley thing, because I get it. Like, they're different players. Like, you, you're right. And, and I mean, you know better than I do. I mean, you got to have a guy that can kill penalties. And obviously, Chisholm probably wouldn't kill penalties. So Stanley is a better replacement with Brendan Dillon suspended. But my my whole thing is, like, the Jets don't they, – they put themselves in a position where they don't have any extra bodies. It's basically Logan Stanley or, you know, you, Kyle, you call up Kyle Capobianco. I uh, understand. Agreed. Welcome to the National Hockey League. Every team wants to have 10 defensemen uh, on one-way contracts. That's what I'm mind. saying, JP. I want 10 defensemen. <laughs> <laughs> well, talk to Zinger. He says you can never have enough D. And, and you, see, you know, we've seen this situation play out back in the day. The Jets had 10 defensemen on one-way contracts, right? All of a sudden, six of them are hurt. You're mm-hmm. still calling up guys, right? The Jets have been very fortunate. Their back end has barely been banged up this year, right? They're, they're probably bumped and bruised, but they haven't missed a lot of time, right? So... You're going to have to draw a line in the sand. Are you more willing to lose Chisholm or Tony Nato, Axel Fialbi, you know, all those guys that m- might have been the other replacement? Chisholm's a great player. I think the Jets are able to replace him internally. You know, him and Hainola are pretty 1A, 1B. Mm-hmm. Hainola had a better training camp, so he's already surpassed Chisholm. Most coaches aren't in the position of you lose your spot because of an injury. Um, so I think it's very important to see that, you know, the Jets are staying true to their word. Hainola has earned that opportunity. He's one step ahead, but they're going to keep him down there till they need him uh, for sure because I think he needs rhythm. Like, you know, he's got five and a half months or four and a half months of rhythm to catch up on, plus strengthening his leg and, and everything that comes with it. Yeah, I know, JP. It's funny. <laughs> people are saying that about Hainola. I'm like, well, he's only played now 11 games with the Moose. So he's he's right. everybody else is 40 to 50 games 
under their belt, 40 to 50 NHL games. And you're talking about a guy who's got 11 AHL games. So that's why when people were talking about, hey, Nola, I said, look, he's doing good things with the Moose, but it's going to take till probably around the trade deadline when the roster moves. Oh, you know, you don't have to worry about the 23 man roster limit. Then you can work, you can bring him in if you need to. But right now he's best served, I think, playing with the Moose. He might not want to play with the Moose, but he's best served playing big minutes with the Moose and getting those legs back. Yeah, and, and I think it, he just needs that, you know, that time. Like, let him play. And is he going to be better served as the number eight defenseman with Winnipeg Jets sitting where Chisholm used to sit? Exactly. No, like, he's got to find his rhythm, right? So yeah. let him play. Let him do a lot of good things and build off of that because right now you have the luxury. Yes, it sucks. But I think in the offseason, you look at addressing it. How do we make room for Hinola to come in? Everyone's thinking trade, you know, probably Nate Schmidt, if you can move that contract or, or how you go about that to create a spot. But I think, you know, things are going to play out and look at this year, Nate Schmidt, a healthy scratch to, you know, being very important with that, that third pairing with him and Sandberg, you can argue that that's quietly been a very good pair all year. Absolutely. JP VJ is building better hockey players through VJ hockey, and he's making this show better through his tremendous analysis. JP, you need to rearrange your schedule, buddy. You got to be available yeah. more Saturday morning. You can't come in, do this well, and yeah. then say, see you well, again in three years. It's just and also, when the Jets pop in three power play goals versus the Penguins, we're going to credit JP. No, he said two. JP said two. Bump. Two for two. three, I said. Two, for, two three, for three. Right? Two for three. There you go. <laughs> two, to be exact. JP, thank you, buddy. This was fantastic. It's been great yeah. seeing you. We'll do it again real soon. You're welcome, guys. Talk soon. Thanks, JP. There he goes. JP Vijay joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Just a fantastic way to start this Saturday morning I miss saying, of seeing the program. JP. We used to see him all the time back in the yeah. TSN 1290 days uh, at the rink. Uh, there's no better guy, and he's a Hockey Canada Skills Certified Coach. I get to you know deal with him a little bit with Hockey Manitoba, and he's just just a great human being. He, well, speaking he of great human about. beings, speaking of TSN, last year was our 15th year anniversary. Yep. Right? Last and week. So we had, last week. Sorry, did I say last year? Last week was yeah. our 15th year anniversary, and we had a lot of nice messages. Oh, God. But we had a, we had a, we had a day wanner who, who sent a message in a little late, but he wanted to get in a message. So let's hear from this day wanner, speaking of TSN 1290. What's up? It's Ace Burpee, uh, Oak Bank Winterhawks, B team. No big deal. Little quick flex on y'all there. Uh, congratulations on 15 years. I think I might be late and I apologize. But uh, I think I was a day oneer of uh, Illegal Curve. And uh, big fan, always. And you've always been uh, very kind to me and I appreciate that. And so all the best and congratulations. There's that's another look. Dave's got, got oh, surprises after surprise up, up his sleeve. The pride of Cook's Creek, Manitoba. I love it. That's love that great. Oak Bank jersey. I've got uh, some family well, in Oak well, Bank. So shout out to Oak Bank. Shout out to Ace. That was awesome. Also, that Winnipeg Whips hat that he's wearing is, oh, is an absolute classic. Money. Absolute yeah. money. Yeah. That's an absolute. That's a that's a sharp looking hat right there. Big thanks to Ace Burpee for sending in those messages. Alrighty, we take our first break on this Saturday morning. We come back. We talk all about the Jets. We're getting it teed up for this evening's Jets Penguins contest in downtown Winnipeg. Dave Manuk's in the top right. Ezra Ginsburg's in the bottom middle. I'm your host, Drew Mandel. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. It rolls on on this Saturday morning.
bottom of our number one. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsberg with you. Later tonight, the Illegal Curve post-game show after the Jets and the Penguins. The rematch of Tuesday's Jets loss in Pittsburgh. Post-game show right around that 8.45 p.m. or so mark. It's a real sweet spot right there. That's when Dave and Ezzy are going to drive the post-game bus and talk about everything to do with the Jets and the Penguins. And that bus is going right off the cliff. <laughs> yes, the alternate it's 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 the it's the director's cut of speed oh. where everyone just blows up instead. Yeah, well, I got to give you guys props. I mean, you handled the last two games really well. I mean, they were obviously, you know, both tough losses. Jets fans weren't happy about that. We were Drew knows this and you Dave, you know this. Like we were going through the stomach flu. Uh we had a very crappy week at the Ginsburg home. Pardon uh, so- the pun. Yeah, so we're we're exactly. Uh, it was coming out all orifices, Drew. Unfortunately, Drew, come on, to know that the family on. show here. Well, has. No, it's all, it's all good now. I took some uh, anti-diarrhea yeah, pills, so I'm no, loving better. No. Why are you in my home right now? <laughs> no, we, it's, I'm we, I'm good. I mean, I'm good now. We could have figured this out without the the the, the you know. I think you. I think the. I think the uh, when once you did the stomach issues, that would have been fine. Everyone yeah, that, figured it out. Yeah, we, we were able to piece things together there. We're pretty smart. You Look, guys know me. Sharing. After 15 years, you, sh- you should know that I'm always going to take it that extra yeah, step. Yeah. Right? Uh, over, over, overshare Ginsburg is what we call him, is, uh, I think. But uh, yeah, I'm glad you're feeling better. Uh, yeah, so don't say that ever again, if you don't mind. Uh, no surprise, Connor Hellbuck going through the morning routine for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, he will be the Jets starting goaltender tonight uh, as they look to get off the schneid. It has been rocky times for the Winnipeg Jets as of late. You know, let me ask you guys this. I mean, I sort of asked JP about that uh, in in that interview. You know, who are you pointing to on the Jets that is going to need to be the driver? Somebody needs to, you know, grab hold of the steering wheel and say, no, we're not going to continue careening down this path. We're going to take the fork in the road and go up a different path that's a more successful path. Who needs to be that person? Is it Josh Morrissey? Is it uh, yes. is it Mark Shifley? Like, yes. Who needs to, to be the person who leads this Jets team out of the doldrums? Well, and, you know, JP touched on this, right? It's usually, you know, different players on any given night, right? But for me, it's it's the line of Shifley, Ehlers, and Velarde. That's what we're well, expecting, right? Well, I don't know what what are we expecting for the well, lines at this point in time. That's we'll find out right, in the next Drew. five minutes. I mean, the only thing that's probably certain is that Shifley and Velarde are going to be on the top line. But I mean, doesn't nope. it have? Well, to- hang on. Uh, there's another typical Ginsburg guarantee, according to our buddy John Liu. Connor Shifley, Ehlers are skating together right okay, now. There you go. Okay, so so then it's the Connor Shifley, Ehlers line. It's the Jets' top line. It's the big boys, right? Yes, Mark Shifley you know, is the guy, he leads the offense. I mean, guys, I think nothing was more clear uh, than when Shifley was out of the lineup and the Jets offense struggled. Now Shifley's mm-hmm. back and they still have been struggling to score goals. I personally believe, and and, and I mean, the Ginsburg guarantee has haunted me talking <laughs> about the old TSN 1290 days with Vijay. When I called Todd Richards winning the coach of the year, and then he was fired two weeks later. My Ginsburg guarantee has been haunting me. So I'm not going to give any, I don't do Ginsburg guarantees anymore, but I am predicting that the Jets turn this around tonight. And I'll tell you why I think they're going to turn it around tonight. The all-star break and the player break came at, at the right time for the Jets in terms of getting some of those banged up bodies healthy, right? We knew that the Jets yeah. were dealing with some injuries, but I think you you can't, I always say this to Dave whenever we're watching games. You can't take context out of it, right? The Pittsburgh Penguins 
are a hungry team right now. And I've listened to some of the post game show. I know you guys think when I am not on the post game show, I don't listen to it, but I actually kind of creep, you know, on the outskirts and I watch it, but I don't enter the chat. I just cuddle up in my bed under the sheets and I watch the post game show. Um, and you guys mentioned this. You said that the Penguins are a, a hungry team, and I'm not sure how many people saw that uh, in Marc Andre Fleury's 1,000th NHL game. The Penguins lost to Minnesota yesterday, Three, so they're even more hungry. Because what are they, Dave? Five or six points out of a wild card spot right now. They do have games in hand. Dave, uh, Drew's giving me the five. I don't think he's giving me the middle finger there. So he's giving no. me five points. The Penguins are back um, with I think two or three games in hand. Right? Yeah, they they're hungry. Games- they have two games in hand of Detroit, right. but you 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 make you make a point there, Ezzy, about yeah, yes, they're hungry. Look, they're on the second half of a back to back, so this is another prime reason why the Winnipeg Jets, who you know have, have not had any back to back since the All Star break, it's been a very you know reasonable week in terms of workload, should be able to try and take advantage of an opponent, you know that that played last night. Now remember, I believe when Philly was here. Uh, whether that been three weeks ago, three Saturdays ago now, they were mm-hmm. also on the second half of a back-to-back, yeah. if, they, if I'm not mistaken, and the Jets weren't mm-hmm. able to do anything there. This is now a fully healthy and they beat And they beat Minnesota the previous night. Right. Because that's, as we know, that's a common thing for teams to come in because Minnesota's a, you know, what is it, a one-hour flight or whatever. Drew flies around internationally more than I do. Yeah, um, but I, on my private jet, it's it's quicker than, uh, than, yeah, exactly. than, than flying, uh, uh, you know, a uh, uh, regular uh, Travel. Yeah, yeah. I just I just fly in the the bathroom. Actually, I just sit in the bathroom the whole flight. And no, but um, I, I think the Jets are going to turn this around because of the way they came out. And you guys obviously talked about it on Thursday night because of how bad that first period was. And I caught Dylan Demello's post game interview when he said, "Yeah, I mean, we didn't like the first period when we da- went down three nothing, but the second and third periods we controlled. The problem was the Jets were down four nothing in the third period, right?" Yeah, so I think know, the Jets are going to come back because they're going to be at home. They haven't played at home in a long time, and I think they want this to end now. This is the first five-game losing streak of the season for this Jets club, and I don't think they want this to continue. Obviously, guys, they, they're going to have some days between games, right? They've mm-hmm. got the Sharks on Valentine's Day. Dave and I are going to go to that game uh, on a date for Valentine's Day, and then we're going to do the That's post-game beautiful. show. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. And we're going to eat a heart-shaped pizza from Boston Pizza. Spencey yeah. and I are also going to eat a, a heart-shaped uh, pizza from Boston <laughs> Pizza. I'm going to have a couple of them. Um, so make sure you get one on, on Valentine's Day. Um, but I think this is going to end here, guys. Like, you know, you guys were joking about the panic button and everything like that. JP was saying that, you know, the panic button is close. But, Dave, I really think that the Jets are, are going to turn this around because I know that they weren't happy, you know, with those two games against the Leafs, specifically the the, the last game at home because we talked about it at Boston pizza um, shout out to one of our best sponsors. Um, you know, they were the, the Leafs that is were badly outplayed by the jets. The jets mm-hmm. just couldn't beat Ilya Samsonov the game at home between the jets and the Leafs, the second game, the jets didn't play well. So I think all of these factors are going to basically lead to the jets. And obviously, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen, but I don't like the, the first period. I don't like the way they, they came out against Philadelphia and they know what they have to do. So, you know, Drew, you asked, you know, which player, you know, really has to step it up. I mean, there's a lot of players that do, but it has to start with that top line of Shifley, Connor, Ehlers. And I think we want to see more out of, you know, the Perfetti, Monaghan uh, uh, line as well. I guess that's going to be, um, who am I missing Perfetti, here? Perfetti, Monaghan, and Velarde. And Velarde, right? So, I mean, look, 
there's never a lot seen of guys that, that have before. to be better. And also, you know, there's going to be a lot of eyes on Logan Stanley. Logan Stanley is going to be in the lineup again tonight. Brandon Dillon's going to miss another game. He's not going to be back uh, and, until Saturday against Vancouver. Uh, I mean, the one thing that I think, you know, we should expect is Hellebuck to not to shut the door because Hellebuck always shuts the door, you know, when the, when the games matter most. So I do think the Jets are going to end, you know, the, the bleeding tonight. Dave, let me ask you this. As he mentioned that, you know, Dylan DeMello talked about how the Jets played uh, in the second and third periods against the Flyers. And Rick Bonus said something similar to that. To me, those are pretty hollow words. What were you, what were your thoughts when you heard them talking about their performance in the second and third periods on, on Thursday night? Who cares? You lost the first period and the game was over. I mean, it was over, but like, it's great. Look, I guess that if you want to, if you want to try and shine up this turd a little bit, you can say that they didn't roll over and die. And maybe they would have done that last year where they would have been, there would have been an apathy that sets in and they would, you would not have seen the, the pushback, but at the same time, who cares? You didn't play well in the first period. You haven't played well in the first period, period, plural. So the fact of the matter is if you don't, as, as he just highlighted the comment, if you're not prepared to start on time, it doesn't matter because right now your team, unlike what we saw previously, when you were down one or two goals, okay, you're down one or two goals. This team can get come back from that. Right now, this team can't. So you cannot afford to not start on time. And that and that's going to be critical for this game tonight. And, I, and I'm looking forward to seeing these lines. I think it's an interesting uh, decision. I don't know why he's uh, resistant to try um, – Velarde, Ehlers, and Shifley, mm-hmm. but he just clearly wants this. And look, that's a lot. And Velarde actually... didn't play well. I mean, you guys did the post-game show, so I'll admit, I didn't watch the whole game, and I didn't break it down, Dave, but that is something that maybe, you know, I'm not saying Velarde is in Bones' doghouse, Dave, but maybe he's just seen something that he he would rather well, have Ehlers and Connor flanking Shifley well, as opposed to Velarde with those guys. Yeah, and, and look, the reality is, like, the Monaghan, Velarde, and Perfetti line, that's a more not as quick line, but it's going to be more measured, a little heavier, which is good for, for Perfetti to, to feed those guys the pucks. So, I mean, I think that they can work for sure. I think you're, I, I'm glad that we're not, you know, obviously this is only the third game of Sean Monaghan, but Rick Bonus is at least trying to make some structural changes to those lines as opposed to, you know, oh, well, we got to give these guys a lot of um, uh, latitude because he knows, look, you know, you got to put, you got to pull out of this. Regardless of whether it's, I mean, look at the look at the Jets' schedule for the next little bit, right? You got the uh, Penguins, who we've talked about. Sure, they're hungry, but the fact is, they played last night. Then you've got San Jose. Well, San Jose's. I don't care if they're playing a little bit better; they're still San Jose. That's collect two hundred dollars while you pass go. Well, you it got, should be. But last got, year, remember, they lost in no, San no, Jose. I know. I'm not suggesting. I, I'm, I'm not, look. It's, I'm not saying it's it's an automatic. I'm just saying that you've got it. Your schedule. First of all, from a from a standpoint of like again, yeah, you don't play the uh, you don't play the Canucks till Saturday. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Canucks are a good team, but you don't play them till Saturday in Vancouver. Then you play the Hawks, I think. After that, so I'm just saying no, that the Jets, Flames, Flames, and then the Hawks. Sorry, no Flames and, and the Wild, then the Hawks. Fine, Flames, Hawks, Flames, Flames. Wild, Hawks. But I'm go. just saying that you're not playing teams that are like Green Jacket, Gold teams. Jacket. Yeah, exactly. That the fact is though that you know again you want you didn't want to see Rick Bonus stick with his line to be stubborn and say, okay, I'm not going to make any alterations. And so, I mean, the other thing is also, I don't know how much longer they can keep David Gustafson on IR. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, again, I'm not suggesting that you need to, but I, I mean, the one thing that as and I were talking about before we came back and, and started talking during the segment, but like, it's very unusual for the jets not to have a seventh defenseman option. 
Like it just makes you've got Kupari and Gustav uh, Kupari and Toninato, and it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Obviously, you've got Gustafson too, but he's on IR um, as as your extras right now. And so, to me, the idea that they're not you know making like I like Dominic Toninato. I think he's a good piece of the puzzle. But I mean, at the same time, like you can probably afford to put him on waivers. It just seems like you know a little unusual with the moose on the road that you're taking that sort of risk to only have six defensemen right now in the lineup. Brendan Dillon obviously won't be available till that Saturday game in Vancouver. So, I mean, you're, you're putting yourself a little bit at risk to, to not have someone, even if you weren't going to have, you know, uh, someone available to, um, you know, because you don't know what happens in a morning skate, something could happen. So it's, it's unusual. I wonder, and now- Dave, if, sorry, I, w- I was going to say, I wonder if, you know, we talked about the game against Vancouver on the road, and then yeah. the games against uh, what was it, Calgary, Minnesota, or yeah, yeah, for Calgary, Minnesota, Chicago. Yeah, I wonder if I wonder if they bring Kyle Capobianco for that road trip, and that's when you you put Toninato on waivers. By the way, I I hope the Jets don't lose Toninato. Well, you would I'm need not, to. As I'm you not would, saying yeah. Toninato, Dylan, Dylan's right. back at that point in time. You don't need to bring uh, uh, Capobianco on waivers. You do have your you have your seventh defenseman at that point. Yeah, in, no, in but Logan's I'm family. saying like just to have an insurance if there's another injury, and then maybe you put Capobianco in instead of Stanley. That's what I, that's all I'm saying, right? Because Capobianco's okay. played well for the Moose. Mm-hmm. That that's our whole point here is that you know Stanley is in a tough position because Stanley hasn't played a lot of hockey. He's been that you know whatever you want to call him seventh or eighth defenseman, right? Like how many games has Stanley played in the NHL this year? Five. Six, I think eight, eight, I think it's or eight. eight. Yeah. So, you know, it's a small it, number. It's a handful. It's, yeah. So it's, it's not the best position for him to come in. You know, he comes in rusty. Right. So I, I you know, I, I think Stanley will be better tonight. All I'm saying is I just wonder, I agree with Dave, like there's going to be when Brendan Dillon comes back, there's going to be a little bit of a log jam, right? Like, obviously, yeah, you know, how, how I, sorry, yeah, go ahead. You no, I was just going to say, like, I mean, right now it kind of seems like you know, it's easy for us to pick apart every single player because the Jets are struggling. Um, you know, I don't know if, like, do you want Rasmus Kupari to be the guy that's in the press box for the most part? Do you want it to be Gustafson? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just going to be interesting to see, you know, what Chevy and the Jets management do with these players. Because according to JP Vigier and I and Dave, you know, you guys know more than I do. Um, it doesn't seem like the Jets are... You know, uh, you know, champion at the bit to call up Billy Hainola anytime soon. Well, that's. I mean, I thought JP was very. You know, had some really interesting insight into that Billy Hainola question, and and you know, JP said he thinks that it might be too big of a mountain for the Jets to climb to incorporate Billy Hainola into the lineup at this point in the season. And I look, I'm going to defer to JP and his hockey wisdom. He does it for a, li- you know, he does it for a living, and obviously played in 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 the league, so he knows what he's talking about there. I thought that was a very interesting one because I. You know, again, I, I'm reading the tea leaves of what Kevin Dayoff had to say, and certainly he could have just sort of been blowing smoke and maybe creating a, a bit of a diversion. But you know, to me, it, it read like the Jets were still looking to try and incorporate Billy Hainala into the into the back end of the team between now and and the end of the year. Maybe he's your you know you know trade deadline acquisition. You sure. know, but you know, adjusting back to the to the Shifley, uh Ehlers, Connor trio sorry for a second mm-hmm. there i wanted to flip back to that because that's yeah. not a line that you know so that line has played 66 minutes together uh and they've outscored their opponents three nothing you know and so they have that line as you would expect has had success and they have yep. a positive Corsi four 
at uh, at uh, 57.55, which is actually better than Ehlers, Shifley, and Velarde, which was at 56.25. So very yeah, but a lot, a lot more numbers. minutes, I'm sure, right? Oh, yes. You know, Ehlers, <laughs> Shafley, Velarde were up at 166 minutes at five on five. I worry about the speed of that second line. Going back to what Dave said, that's what you lose when you have two speedy guys. You're your two fastest guys right. on, on the top line, Dave. Like, look, Cole Perfetti, he's struggling right now to score goals. We know that yep. according to Rick Bonus, Jets head coach, like he's dealing with a wrist injury. We're not sure, you know, if if that's still a thing. I, I'm I'm expecting... Perfetti to start playing better. I, I I'm a big Perfetti guy. I know Dave is too. I mean, he's having a good second year in the NHL. Not worried about Cole Perfetti. Not worried about Sean Monahan or Gabe Velarde. I'm a little bit worried though about the lack of speed on that line. I'll say that much. I, I think I understand why Bones is going to Shifley, Connor, Ehlers, Dave. Mm-hmm. But I still think that the line that you want to go to is Ehlers, Shifley, Velarde. Yeah, I agree with you. As in that to me is the one that has worked. I mean, during the streak, when the Jets were piling up points, that was the line that was working so well for you. And I understand that you want to get Kyle Connor going, mm-hmm. and he's, you know, you're probably your best pure goal scorer. Uh, but at the same time, you know, again, what is the line that really kind of drove you when you needed success? And that was the Shifley, Ehlers, Shifley, Ehlers, and Velarde. So, I mean, again, like I said, we'll see um, what that second line can bring. It's just, it, it's an interesting uh, changeup. But at least they did make a change. At least they said, okay, you know, we don't like what we've seen after two games. And and to me, it's it's this is look, this this game has the the opportunity to, you know, sports is all about narrative, right? And it's funny how for since December 12th till sometime in January, the Jets were a juggernaut that could not be brought down. And now in the last couple of weeks because obviously it's stretched through the player break and the all-star break the jets are just a terrible team and blow them up and this is who they are and they stink and da 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 so uh, i think that they can flip the script a little bit tonight they can get that good feeling they have to have a good start tonight tonight the start is absolutely critical there's no excuse from this team to starting slow there just cannot be so if they start slow again like that's on the coaching staff that's on the players that's on all of them if they have a slow start, but my expectation is that they won't. The crowd. I, I don't think so either. I really don't, no. guys. Like, I think there's way there's way too much talent and there's way too much pride. And I also just think that there's a, a, a different mentality on this team. Like, I don't. I, I'm not sure if you guys mentioned this because, like I said, I only caught part of the post game show. Um, I was obviously praying to the porcelain gods uh, as well. We, we you get guys... it. You don't need to keep saying it. We get it. It's funny. Naomi mentioned that yesterday. She's like, "Why do you keep saying we're sick?" Because I'm like, we are sick. We, we're dealing with this. Anyways, um, I don't think that we're going to see a repeat of what you saw in, in Philadelphia, whether that's Eastern Pennsylvania or Western Pennsylvania. That's Eastern Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Eastern Pennsylvania. There you go. Um, I, I think that the Jets know that they need to turn this around. And I know that um, you, you know when when you have so many guys right now that are struggling to score goals, I also think, Dave, not only are the Jets going to have a better start, I think the Jets are going to get some of those goals that we were seeing earlier in the season, right? Going to the net, Niederreiter bangs in a rebound, right? Um, you know, we might see a goal from an unlikely source. Like, you might see a guy like Dylan Sandberg. Ezzy, Ezzy, that, Ezzy, that would be Niederreiter since he hasn't scored in like 14 or 15. Well, yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, obviously, you know, you know, everybody knows the big boys are the ones that get get paid the big bucks to score the goals. 
but the Jets have to go back to what was making them successful earlier in the season. And and this is this part I did hear on Thursday night's postgame show. It was four lines coming at you in waves. Let's see that aggressive four check. Mm-hmm. Like get in there. Let's see pressure. Hunt the puck. Like let's get back to the 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 fundamentals that were making this team successful. You don't have to score. All of your goals don't have to be beautiful goals off of the rush. No. Like get the puck back to the point, get a shot on that, get the second chances. Like we're not seeing the second chances from we're this We're not Jets seeing team. the same net front presence, no. you know, uh, in, 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 in sort of both aspects. We're not seeing the Jets crash the net offensively, and we're not seeing the net Jets protect the front of the net as well as they had been, uh, you know, previously. Now, you know, on Thursday, look, Thursday was just an abject failure. It was an all-systems failure for the Winnipeg Jets. Tuesday, it was a special teams failure, something that we've talked about, you know, ad Mm. nauseum this year. But the Jets, you know, Thursday's game was just so discombobulated. The team just looked like they had no no cohesiveness and no approach. It was, you know, they chip a puck in, chip and chase, but the chase would be useless. The chase Mm. was half a step behind or a full step behind. And when you're behind on the chase, if you have to chip and chase, then it's an easy clear out. It's an easy, it's an easy puck retrieval and zone exit. That's why there was no, uh, the approach that the Jets had on Thursday night was just so ineffective that they can't, you, you can't just replicate that. That's, I mean, that's uh, an easy win for the Philadelphia Flyers on Thursday night. And it was largely because of the Jets performance themselves. The Jets just made it easy on their opponent when, when they were succeeding earlier in the year, you know, the few weeks ago, they were a difficult team to play against. They were hard to play exactly, against Drew. because you know, you chip and chase and that defender knows he's about to get plastered through the end boards legally uh, you know, because the Jets are that aggressive on the four check and the Jets are likely to win the puck battles. The Jets haven't been winning those puck battles as of late. And that's where I think you need, once the Jets get back to winning those puck battles, then I think all the other success, the goals, the the fancy plays, the highlight reel, uh, you know, uh, performances, that comes from winning your those initial yes. puck battles. And like Dave said, Dave, you get in here because I, according to Kenny's water bottle, I was talking for 10 minutes straight, but that's why I think you make a good point. The, when you're in a losing streak, which the Jets obviously are right now, that's when I think a good start is even more imperative, right? Yes. Like mm-hmm. you can't wait five minutes, 10 minutes, one period no. to get into this game. You get that Lowry line out there that's been so good all year. You get Lowry, Niederreiter, and Appleton out there. You dump the puck in and you lay a body check. You, you, you know, you get stick check, like get the cycle going, make it uncomfortable for those Penguins defensemen, like get all over them. You know, get a shot on that. Who cares if it goes in? Get some second chances. Set the tone early in this game. That's what the Jets have to do. They also have to hit the net. They, they, you know, too many of these shots are going wide, and they're they're really just limiting their their dangerous opportunities because the guy in front is useless because the puck doesn't even hit the goaltender. So they got to start hitting the goal. They got to start hitting the net with some of these shots. But yeah, as he's like, it, it's absolutely imperative to have a good start to get the crowd into it. You want to get people excited. This is, uh, you know, again, there hasn't been a lot of hockey in Winnipeg of late. The Moose have been on the road for, I think, seven games now. And uh, tonight's seven. Tonight's the seventh game. They've been on the road of nine straight. The Jets haven't played here a lot because, of course, they were on their player break in their AHL, their um, all-star break. So the fact is the fans are going to be hungry. They're going to be excited for something. And they were going to want to see, they're going to want to see effort, right? That's, that's all this. Again, Drew and I talked about this on Thursday. 
if you go out and you put out an effort and you lose the game, it's one thing, but to, to be lackluster and, yeah. and, 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 you know, look, Rick bonus is not run these guys hard, right? You didn't have a practice on Wednesday. They canceled practice Friday. So, I mean, the fact, or maybe sorry, you had practice on Wednesday, but the point is that the schedule you're coming off of a player break, you're not, you're not overly taxed. This has not been a difficult run, you know? So, so again, and you have no practice tomorrow. So these guys have to put it out there. This again, a poor effort is just not going to be acceptable because first of all, you need it for your own psychological benefit. You cannot, you know, continue to have this lack of success. And that's a captain obvious statement, but more importantly, you've got a whole fan base that is, and even that we can, we as pundits can say, well, you know, this team is not last year's team and go through it. But the muscle memory of last year and the second half collapse and the post all-star break collapse, you know, and again, what's somewhat, what's what, the narrative's the same, right? You lost Nikolai Ehlers early in the season. He comes, you're, you're doing well. All of a sudden you get the player back. You're like, oh, we're at full health. This should be good. Then you go into your slide. Well, same sort of thing, right? Kyle Connor gone for five, five plus weeks, comes back. Everything should be great. You're going into the slide. So you need to start to erase that, that possibility. And again, like, as he said, if you get the win tonight and you can put four, you win four of the next six, potentially no, that narrative is gone. But until you can kind of show that this is not the same as what happened last year, folks are rightly going to be like questioning. Is this, is this just a repeat of what we saw last year? And that's going to be very disappointing for fans. I'd agree. Jets will try and get back on the winning side of the ledger later on this evening against the Pittsburgh Penguins. We had to break when we come back more Jets talk. We'll talk about the Penguins as well. And Seth Rorabaugh, who covers the Penguins for the Pittsburgh Tribune Review, is going to join us at the bottom of our number two. Don't go anywhere. It's Saturday morning. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Getting you set for the Jets and the Penguins later on this evening. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg with you. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club. Bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, Jon Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party. Even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. Whoa, Ezzy, everything okay? You look stressed. Of course I'm stressed. We're moving, the house is upside down, the kids failed miserably at packing the fine china, and my life is in chaos. Chaos! Yes, that does sound like a problem. What am I going to do? Ezzy, relax. Rolly's transfer moving and storage is the answer. With 60 years of experience in moving Manitobans and a track record of exemplary customer service, one call to Rollies and your stress is gone. No job is too big or too small. Just visit Rollies.com and they will take it from there. Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage, online at Rollies.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center and they whitened my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go... We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. 
Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs from restorative to cosmetic dentistry and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. This Valentine's Day, heart-shaped pizzas are back at Boston Pizza. On February 14th, share your favorite delicious Boston pizza with the ones you love. Your locally owned Boston Pizza will donate $1 from every heart-shaped pizza sold to the Travis Price Children's Heart Center and the Children's Hospital Foundation of Manitoba. To order, call 925-4111. This Valentine's, share the love with a heart-shaped pizza from Boston Pizza. We did it! Again! You're on fire, man. There's power in a handshake. After a great game or great deal, it shows professionalism and respect. Two qualities Zapia Group Realty take pride in. You don't build a business where 95% of your clients are referred by others without honesty, integrity, and total dedication to client satisfaction. To sell your home for more in less time, shake hands with Frank and Mauro Zapia of Zapia Group Realty. Get started at zapiagroup.com. Hour number two of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show rolls on on this Saturday morning. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsberg. want to say a big thanks to all the sponsors who make this show possible. Our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, you know Grid Park. You can park for free with code Illegal Curve. Download the Grid Park app. Our friends at Linden Market Dental Center, Zappia Group Realty, Betway, they're going to sponsor tonight's postgame show. Tough Duck, Boston Pizza, Seagram's, Rolly's Transfer, and of course, Farmery Beer, home of Illegal Curve Lager. If you're looking to tip something back tonight, number two, Donald Street, get there, get some Illegal Curve beer. And as Dave mentioned, or as he mentioned, Boston Pizza, they got the heart shaped pizzas on. And of course, they have a promotion going on right now where every heart shaped pizza uh they contribute uh uh some some portion of the sales towards the children's hospital foundation of manitoba so you get pizza and get to support a great cause all in one purchase so big thanks to our friends at boston pizza for their continued support of the illegal curve post game show and the illegal curve hockey show it's heart season drew last time i took the kids to boston pizza uh they give you a couple hearts if you make a donation right so we made a donation and then you know they signed their names ruben and ariella i'm not sure if your kids have done that this year and then they put them up all over the restaurant so it's always a good time of year you know that i'm all heart drew so you know that i love uh, the valentine season romantic like me yeah, you're all heart. So so much of it that it's actually enlarged more often than not. So you know that that that's baboon going great heart, for right, you. Dave? That's what Dave calls my heart. It's a baboon heart. <laughs> <laughs> baboon something. I'm not sure what the baboon aspect of you is there, Mister Ginsburg, but baboon something. A uh, bit of a tweak to the Jets' power play. So well, you know, which of course has been a a constant issue. Ooh, instead go of going, on. yes, <laughs> you're intrigued. Tell me more. Uh, instead of going with the two defensemen on the second power play unit, they're mm-hmm. going also with uh, they're adding Vlad Nemesnikov to that unit, removing Nate Schmidt from it and going with Pionk. Uh, Pionk would be uh, at the top of the umbrella. And then you have Perfetti, Ehlers, Niederreiter and Nemesnikov. So a bit of a tweak to the Jets second power play unit. Nate Schmidt right now off of that unit. Vlad Nemesnikov on as the Jets look to get something going on the special teams which of course it may have been rock bottom uh with the shorthanded goal they gave up Ryan Ailing's yeah. goal on Thursday night after the Keystone Cops moment between
between Morrissey and and Kyle Connor. You wonder how it can get any worse for the Jets' power play. Uh, it's hard to believe it could get any worse than that after what happened on Thursday night there, Dave. Yeah. Shout, out no, they- Ken, shout out to Ken Gardner, by the way. He's in North Dakota. He's coming up for uh, today's game. So there, you got his picture there. So if you see Ken... Make sure you give him that friendly Manitoba yeah. welcome. But is, if he's not wearing the suit, how are we going to know? No, I'll, t- I'll tell you how we know. Well, because he'll be wearing an illegal curve hat because Ken has at least from the old days. Not We're not talking about the more recent ones. From the old days, Ken won from the IC game winning goal contest or the ICOT pool. I'm telling you, he won at least three IC Tukes that I can remember shipping to North Dakota. So he's got a nice stash. He's got the old school IC Tukes, so he could be wearing one of those. There but, you go. Now, as, as much as I want to talk about Ken and his toques, which I do, of <laughs> course, uh, you know, Drew, I, I, they have to start doing something different with the power play. It's, it's just a, it's too poor on a team that has too much talent. And I know that, you know, there was some talk about uh, teams that Brad Lauer has been the, you know, the in charge of the power play and how they've been uh, in the past. And so that's, you know, that's a problem for him. I mean, that's something that he needs to figure out because, I mean, that's your area, and the Jets right now are terrible on the power play, right? One for their last 30. When you have this much talent on a team and you're one for your last 30, it's inexcusable, and it's costing you hockey games. That's the problem. Exactly. You know, the five-on-five play, while there's been, you know, um, instances of it falling off from what we saw when it was, like, elite – the fact is, the five-on-five play, even in games they've lost, like the Pittsburgh game, for example, that they lost on Tuesday, their five-on-five mm-hmm. play was good. We talked about that on the yeah. post-game show. Where they got killed was the special teams, right? Obviously, the five, uh, the five-minute major to Brendan Dillon really was the difference in that hockey game. But the fact is that right now, this is costing your team hockey games, and you're costing yourself points. And you've built enough of a buffer that it's that you can you can pass through it. But ultimately, you, you need to get this result because, like we said, you don't need to be a top 10 power play. I've gone through it. I've looked. Stanley Cup champion, you don't need to be a top 10 power play or top five. But you need something. You need to be somewhere in the top 20, you know, around 15. That's probably unlikely for this Jets club unless they go on an insane heater. That would be a pretty but, big but, heater at this point. <laughs> but But the fact of the matter is you need to get down to 20th approximately because what are they right now, Ezzy? They're 15 point seven success rate like it's it's terrible well they're they're 24th or or 25th and guys they've been in the bottom third of the league most of the year right yeah i mean this is not this is what was what was i think drew mentioned it one for 30 like one for 30 when you actually think about it it is is pretty appalling right i haven't said a word (laughs) yeah exactly well dave said it then um everybody knows the number the power play stinks right now Mm -hmm. and you know vlad nemestikov the thing with vlad nemestikov is he's got good vision and he's a good puck handler and he's, he's got a deceptive shot. So yeah. I can see why. And obviously, you know, Rick Bonus has the connection, the history with Nemesnikov going back to Dallas, right, Dave? So, I mean, we know Rick Bonus trusts Nemesnikov on any line. He, he happens to currently be on the fourth line because the Jets acquired Sean Monahan. But you know what? Like, I've seen people even say put Logan Stanley in front of the net. I don't necessarily think we're going to see that happen. No, we're not. But honestly, like, happen. try different things at this point. We well, know we it know needs who, to be. I, sorry, Ezzy, let me go just ahead, you. There needs to be somebody in front of the net. When you look at the Jets' power play, think about back to Tuesday in Pittsburgh. So the Jeff Carter power play goal. Where's Jeff Carter parked? He's parked in front of Connor Hellebuck. Bumper spot. 
you know, he's parked in front of Connor Hellebuck. He's between Nate Schmidt and Hellebuck, and he's able to you and you know he's able to move Nate Schmidt out of the way to collect that rebound that eventually leads to the second Penguins goal. The Jets don't have anybody right in front of the opposing goalie. They're set up almost on the side. If you look at where Gabe Velarde has been often set up on the Jets' power play, it's not right in front taking away the goaltender's eyes. It's almost to the side where if there's a rebound, yes, he's probably in an okay position to capitalize, but I'd rather take away the goalie's eyes and you're still going to be in that same good position to capitalize on the rebound. To me, it's just a it's just a structural deficiency. These goalies are so good that if they see the puck, they're likely to save the puck, and oftentimes they're going to be able to save it without a rebound. Because Tristan Jari's, by the way, going to start tonight because yeah. Nedeljkovic yes. started uh, last night in Minnesota. Sorry, Drew, just wanted to mention that. Yes, exactly. So Tristan Jari, who, of course, had the shutout against the Jets on Tuesday night, so he's feeling good. It, it, it's incumbent you take away the goaltender's eyes. It just is. The shots, I mean, think about, you know, defenders are so good at blocking shots that it's, you know, you have to get the shot in at such an angle that it's almost maybe a little bit higher up into the goaltender's body than you would necessarily want it, which allows the goaltender to take it and smother it as opposed to there necessarily being a big rebound opportunity off of a pad necessarily, like off of a, the, the goalie pads. Yeah. To me, you need more bodies in front, not on the side of the goal to make it yeah. to at least just start with that tweak. Yep. And yeah. see what it does for the, the fundamentals, factor. right, Drew? And and Dave, like you, you have you also have to see Jets like when the Jets' power play is the most successful. And obviously, the Jets have not had the potent power play like they. Let's be honest, 2017 to 2019, yeah. when you had Blake Wheeler out there, you had Patrick Lyonnais out there, you had Dustin Bufflin out there. The Jets don't have the big booming shots of Lyonnais and Bufflin. Like, let's be honest, the Jets' Steven Stamkos is Kyle Connor. They want to get Kyle Connor the puck, ideally on the one-timer, Dave. But like you said, not only Drew are goaltenders so good that if they see the puck, they're going to stop it 98% of the time. Yeah. They also know that they're going to try to take away those cross-seam passes to, to Connor. They also know the Jets want to go to Shifley, and, and they know that Ehlers has that ability to you know, kind of do that Harlem Globetrotter stuff around the point, and, he, and, and they can switch. But, I mean, it's player movement. It's puck movement. The Jets have to, to be quicker with their decisions, and they have to start putting other teams on their heels, Dave. And and they, they have to make it so that the opposition, the Pittsburgh Penguins in this case, they they have to make it so that when they're on the power play, that the Penguins are, are actually fearful that the Jets are, are going to score. I just think the Jets' power play has become too predictable. And the thing is, Dave, if the Jets are able to score a power play goal early in this game or at all in this game, you know that they're going to feed off of that and most likely more goals are going to come from it. Yeah, there's no question about it, and and we're I think all these points are valid, right? Like they're not hitting the net. So I mean, as mm. as folks in the chat are saying, and they're not the point shot. I mean, you don't have that booming point shot. I mean, there may there may be your Logan Stanley value is at least he can you know destroy a puck at about 110 miles an hour. But look, yeah. the fact is, they're trying to be too cute. They're trying. They still are. I mean, whether and even that that that's that's happening both at five on five and when you have the man advantage we saw that play a number of times right Kyle Connor I'll give JB even though he's not in the chat right now call it a drop pass JB or big, JP no oh, JB JB, JB, JB from the Brown. Chat. Yeah. but but the point is that you know it, it, you're on a you're on a 
essentially a, a, a partial breakaway and you try and drop the puck, or as I saw it, pass across the puck. But the fact of the matter is, you know, Cole Perfetti passing up a perfectly good opportunity to try and make another cute pass. Like, it's just, it's too much. It's it's getting back to simple hockey. And it's getting back to the fundamentals. Weber just wrote a story about that in the free press. Speaking of Weber, if you have a question, he's got a mailbag that's open. Today's the final day. Get those mailbag questions in for Kenny Weeb. Is there Send guacamole in. in that mailbag? Because I think he might still be in Mexico. No, he's back from Mexico. Yeah, he's, back. he's back. He's back in Winnipeg. He's ready for your, for your questions. So if you don't have questions for IC, which you're, you can hit us with right now, you can ask Weber and uh, check out the morning papers on illegalcurve.com. I think it's note four. Uh, gives you the information on how to contact Kenny. Hang on. There's there's more notes than there are papers, uh, than there are articles in the papers at this <laughs> point were, in time. There were a lot of notes today. There were five notes in the papers. Well, I got a special counsel Manuk. I got to go. You know, there's a Jets <laughs> mo note. There's the post game show note. There's the Moose note. There's the Saturday show note. That's four. And then I gave Weber a note. So there were five notes in the papers today. He's just so not charging okay. Weber for those notes. Well, I don't know about that, but the fact is that the notes are intended to provide some I used insight. To pass notes in school. Yeah, there you go. Well, I provide. <laughs> do notes. you like me? No. <laughs> <laughs> how do you have? How are you contacting me? I gave you. I told you to stop. So, anyways, so the the fact is that they really need to just get back to the fundamentals of hockey right now. And again, with all all the talent in the world, isn't going to do anything if you just can't just be simple. And that's what they need to do. And that's what they need to start doing tonight. And they need to show that. Okay, you're going to make changes to the power play, then make it effective. Because yep. the fact of the matter is, right now it's not effective. We, we've outlined you know, the numerous reasons why, starting with our conversation from JP this morning, breaking it down, and then going to the, some of the things that we've observed. So uh, right now it's, it's incumbent on the Jets to get that fixed because, like I said, your five-on-five -five play, for the most part, has continued to be pretty good. It's just a function of, of the special teams. And so your PK, again, that's also a problem, but... But it got better. That's I think part part. Yeah, the PK to me has leveled off. I, I, I'm less, you know. Look, it obviously. Well, I think the I think that's goaltending though, Drew. I think the goaltending's gotten better. So I think oh, that sure. you know because of that, the, the you know that's a I, you know I, I outlined it yesterday. Your goaltender has to be Thomas Millich made a beautiful save when the Moose were killing a penalty yesterday. So your goalie has to be your best PKer. But the fact is that your special teams for this Jets club is where you're lagging. You're 27th sure. and 24th. And that until you start to improve that and we're guys, guys, this is game 50. You know, it's one thing if you're at game 20, you're at game 30, you're like, okay, fine. You know, there's still time in the season. We're already at game 50. And so now it's I'm like you, Dave, the power play is much more of a concern. And, and to, to Drew's point about, you know, the Brendan Dillon, uh, you know, match penalty. I mean, that's recency bias, right? Like Brendan Dillon, first of all, he five minute major. I mean, you almost always expect to be scored on, right? Like the stats are when you give what? a team a five minute penalty, but Brendan Dillon is also one of your best penalty killers, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I just think that recency bias, I mean, the, well, the penalty know, kill, the first... don't get me wrong, Drew, the penalty kill, the penalty kill for the Jets has not been sublime. It hasn't been good, but the first three and a half minutes, so, I mean, yeah. go back to Tuesday just night. Over the first three, three just and over a half three. minutes or just over three minutes yeah. of that penalty kill was pretty damn good. Then the Jets, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I chalk it up to really bad bounces more than anything the Penguins did tremendously well yeah. on their those, PK. Those weren't beautiful goals. No. No. Weren't they? It's not like they were beating the Jets PK, you know, with with seam passes or the Jets gap or the Jets, uh, the Jets, you know, structure on their PK was poor in those instances. They were, you know, a, 
good bounces to the Penguins. This, you know, bad bounces from a Jets perspective that the Penguins took advantage of. So full credit to them. But I saw more good in the Jets PK, and I saw mm-hmm. a lot of good in the Jets PK on Thursday night as well. Yep. You know, they didn't give up. If I'm not mistaken, I think everything was it was the one shorthanded goal and the three five on five goals. So mm-hmm. the Jets PK on Thursday night against Pitts against Philly was also uh, pretty steady, pretty pretty you know uh, well structured. So if you had to rate my concern level, my concern level with the power play is exponentially higher. Than oh yeah, it is no question. That's no why pressure. I think you know there there's even more pressure on the Jets to get it going. And and I, I like again, this is just a gut feeling, boys. Again, I'm not going to pull out the Ginsburg guarantee. I'm pulling out the oh, nice to see Philly Danger is in Thailand. Yes, ever been to Thailand? My wife Naomi has been to Thailand and she loved it. So awesome. Philly's doing a lot better than we are, boys. Uh, like Philly, the city, or Philly, Thai, uh, Philly, no, Danger. Philly Danger. Okay, what about yeah. Philly, so what about Philly Dan? Philly Dan. Way, Philly, Dan. Philly Dan, shout out. Philly, Philly Dan was in the chat on uh, Thursday. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. For anybody who uh, isn't a long time listener, already. You, you weren't here. Yeah, yeah. Dave explained yeah, already. We met Philly and Philly Dan Flannery. His name's Dan Flannery. It's not Philly Dan. What was that, 2014 in Vegas? Yeah. Hard part. Did, I think we did some tequila shots in uh, Planet Patron, Hollywood, Patron, didn't we? Patron specifically, actually. Whoa, not me. Patron. Who's living not on me. the top shelf? Not me. Not Don Julio? I thought that it was, was Don Farber, Julio. That was Farber Ginsburg and uh, and Philly Dan. And let's just say of the four, there was only one who was not sick. Yeah, I puked. <laughs> I've never been good with tequila. Tequila doesn't. I mean, obviously, earlier this week, nothing was. Everything was yeah, going we through. We all, we understood that. You don't need to keep saying it. We get it. You were ill. It's fine. It happens, man. But no. But back to the power play, guys. I mean, like. Look, the Jets could easily win tonight's game and not score on the power play, but I, I think it's gotten to a point. Like we, everybody knows the number one for their last thirty. It's got to a point where it's you know kind of put up or shut up, right? Like it's enough kind of saying the Jets need to do this, the Jets need to do to do that. We're just the illegal curve hockey show here. We're just the illegal curve chat. Like these guys are paid millions of dollars you know, to score goals on the power play. The coaching staff has to figure out, like Brad Lauer, Rick Bonus, the whole coaching staff, they need to figure out how to get this on the right track. And, I mean, tonight is as good a night as any, right, Dave, to, to get the power play going here. Yeah, there's no question about that, Ezzy. And so we'll see. We'll see what happens, and we'll see if they're able to to get this ship turned around. But, yeah, like like Ez says, this is no question that this is, this is the night to do it. You got a Pittsburgh team... Even though, again, like I said, they're on the outside looking in. They want these points, especially having gone to Minnesota and and lost to the Wild yesterday. So you know that you know that they know they don't want to lose two games in a row. But ultimately, uh, from a Jets perspective, you need the the first period is the most. This I don't want to say this. I'm not going to be hyperbolic and say this is the most important first period of the season. But it is a very important first period for this Winnipeg Jets club. Well, you know, I, you know the Penguins. You know, you, we talk about the Jets' stinginess uh, defensively when it comes to goals against. The Penguins are right up there. They're second in the league in goals against, tied with the Kings at 127 goals against. So they're, you know, the, you know, it shouldn't be a a game f- with a lot of fireworks based on both teams' historical performances this year. You know, the Jets score have scored eight more goals than the Penguins. The Penguins have given up 12 more goals than the Jets. But both of these teams are very stingy defensively, and yeah. that's why you know. 
this is why I think the attention to detail, look, attention to detail obviously there it is. matters. Hey, you can, there it, it is. Everybody drink. <laughs> take a shot. I said it. It's been a while, Dave, since we've heard the attention to detail. But, uh, you know, uh, on a game like tonight where it's both teams are typically very much in structure as opposed to, say, you know, Wednesday when San Jose comes to town when it's just going to be pure chaos the way they play. Right. You know, that's why, you know, tonight your attention to detail really matters to so much Leon more. Gavonke on the back end. <laughs> <laughs> then you go to Germany to go uh, see Mannheim uh, Adler or whatever the hell their team name is. That's true. Um you know that that that's I think just the structure, which is what the Jets have sort of lost over the last number of games, needs to be exactly on point because Pittsburgh is also a very structured team by and large, but they have similar game breakers to that the Jets do. Now you know the the Penguins' game breakers uh, might be more well noted on the marquee with Crosby and Malkin and Carlson and Latang. You know, both teams, I do think, have that structure that's at the root of their success, which is, I think, something you're going to have to keep an eye on uh, in tonight's contest. I, I want to go back for just for a brief minute, because uh, on my second screen here, uh, I mean, no, it's practice, so it doesn't mean anything. But I have Monaghan, Velarde, and Perfetti. Uh, you know, the Jets tweeted out a, a video of them or a GIF of them, um, you know, moving around the three. We have never seen that trio together. Obviously, you know, Monaghan brand new to the Jets team and everything else. That first line for the Jets should succeed. Ehlers, Connor, and Shifley should be a successful line. That should be a dangerous line that plays with a lot of sp- a lot of speed and can do a lot off the rush and everything else. That second line is really, to me, going to be very interesting. Anytime you sort of throw three guys together for the first time and you're not really sure what you what you've got there, it, it's something that I'm paying a, a fair bit of attention to uh, to keep an eye on. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that, again, like I said, I think Perfetti is going to be, I think he's going to enjoy playing with these two guys. I think uh, from what I've seen, and again, limited sample size watching um, Sean Monaghan, but I do like his, his. he seems cerebral like Perfetti. And I think he'll maybe work well with him. And Velarde mm-hmm. is a big body who can who can also have, who has good hands. So I, I again, I think the three of them, they might just have to decide who's going to be the shooter of that line. That might be the problem. Freddie might have to start taking some shots. But honestly, like I really think there is some potential there. I do like that idea. And that, you know, like I said, it'll be interesting. It's the first game. We'll see how long they can stick together. But do you start to build something there? Because again, when you bring a guy like Sean Monaghan in, you have a a, a vision. You're like, okay, this is what we're going to do. I mean, we heard from um, Rick Bonus when he was at the NHL All-Star Game Boys. And he was talking about how, Right away, it was like he'll be between Ehlers and Perfetti. But sure, now you've moved Ehlers off the line and you've got Monaghan and Velarde with them. And, and again, like I said, I, I just like that. I think I like that composition. I think you worry about the speed. I'm with Ez on that one. Uh, it's not going to be a fast line. But I think that when they hold the puck, they'll control it. They're they're all intelligent guys. So that, to me, is is going to be the strength of that I line. IQ line. Yeah, well, then maybe there's their line, the high IQ line. But well, the hot, the hot wasn't play... that the original name for this show was going to be the high <laughs> IQ hockey show? Was low IQ, low IQ. <laughs> um, but uh, it was the non-Mensa group, actually, is what we were going to be called. But look, I, I mean, Dave, uh... my 147 LSAT score, I think, would have <laughs> brought us down a little bit. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, look, you're going to have to, um, you're going to have to see. And and again, these guys have to prove, like you, you gave up a lot to give up bringing Sean Monahan. There's going to be, and he while having a very good season for Montreal. I mean, look, he slotted in 
I think he was like third on the Jets already for points. So, you know, but a lot, and a lot of his points came from the power play. So, you know, that you want him to improve certain areas. And look, Rick Bonus said, I think on the Sunday. I really hope, Monday, by the way, sorry, Dave, that's the real boring Sean Monahan. If anybody's seen that account before, it's a hilarious account. So, I'm not I sure. I can't if this believe is... you haven't brought up that the fact that you made boring IC Drew. That was a long time ago, man. You that still was... have that Twitter account, I think. No, I, I have no. I, there, Drew, you think I remember the password for that account? That was like 10 years ago. I'm saying the account still exists. It still follows me, apparently. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Continue on, Dave. Sorry. I, the, I, the, we, when you get a comment from boring Sean Monaghan, just like earlier, we had a comment from Brass Bonanza about Bob Sacamano. Anytime yeah. somebody makes a Bob Sacamano reference, yeah, I had we to put it, we put it up. Look, I, again, like I said, it's, it, there's a lot of opportunity. And, and look, the other thing also that we're not talking about that this Jets team had and as he mentioned it a little bit, but we'll talk, we need to talk about it. It's great to talk about the top two lines. It's the other two lines that we have to focus on too. And Drew, you mentioned this about the four coming in waves, but like you need to see something from that fourth line. You know, that's not a bad fourth line. When you can run out yeah. Nemestikov, Ayafalo, and Baron, like that's a, that's a very solid fourth line. And look, we saw some good things from those guys when they had opportunities. So we want to see more from that line. You need awesome. the... You need ba- you need Lowry and, and Niederreiter. I mean, we talked about it in that game. While it felt like the game was over at three nothing, Niederreiter scores that goal to make it three one versus giving up a goal. You know, to make to make it a four four whatever four nothing at that point. Yeah. You know, and it's not going in. We talked about it. Niederreiter hasn't scored a goal in fourteen or fifteen games. But ultimately, you need all of these lines because that's how you won. You didn't just win because Mark Shifley scored or Nikola Ehlers scored or Cole Perfetti scored. Or Gabriel Velarde scored. You won because actually Onset Fielby was scoring for you. Dominic Toninato was scoring for you. Morgan Barron was scoring for you. Mason Appleton was scoring for you. That's what you need. If you want to be a team, you have to have all of your lines scoring. Now, you want your big dogs to really drag you in, but you're also going to need all those complementary lines uh, to be doing their thing as well. There you go. When we come back for the Pittsburgh perspective, Seth Rohrabaugh from the Pittsburgh Tribune Review joins us on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Don't go anywhere. More Jets talk. We're getting you set for the Jets and the Penguins later on this evening. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg with you. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show rolls on 15 years plus one week on this Saturday morning. Commercial free from here to the conclusion. We welcome you back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsberg talking about the Jets, talking about the Jets and the Penguins. That's going to happen later tonight in downtown Winnipeg. And then, of course, the Illegal Curve post game show right around that 8.45 p.m. or so mark tonight to talk about everything that goes on in downtown Winnipeg. For the Pittsburgh Penguins perspective, say that three times fast, from the Pittsburgh Tribune Review, we welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, our good friend, Seth Rohrabaugh. The OG. Seth is an OG. We had him on uh, 15 years ago. Uh, We just celebrated 15 years, Seth, so we had to bring you on. I saw you guys celebrating your 15th uh, anniversary, so congratulations. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, And speaking from experience, having longevity in in this business is... uh, something that something to celebrate so you know, way to go guys thank you seth appreciate that uh talking uh longevity is a good way to describe the pittsburgh penguins uh certainly some of the core members of that team have been there for a long period of time you think penguins you think crosby you think malkin you think Latang. typically you think playoffs you didn't last year 
And if the season ended today, and fortunately for those in Western Pennsylvania, it doesn't, you also wouldn't think uh, playoffs this year. How do the Penguins get over that hump and back to being a playoff team, Seth? Or do you think that it's not realistic with the way the season has gone through the first 48 games? Well, to this point of the season, they've largely just been a 500 team. And by that, I mean, it's like, okay, they might win one or two games here or there. And then they lose one, two, three games here and there. It's um, been very little traction in a good sense or a bad sense for this team this season. It's uh, um, it's largely just been a mediocre 500 team. So, um, frankly, I, I think you know the biggest obstacle for them or impediment for them this season has been their power play. I mean, it's – it's I, I, I as of last week, it was like 31st in the league or something like that. Um, I don't know where it is as of today, but um, it should be much better than it is, to, to, be, to be blunt. Um, if this power play is even average, they're probably in a playoff position right now. I mean, they're they're otherwise a pretty good team, 5-on-5, five five, pretty good team in, on the BK. It's just their penalty kill. Just, I'm sorry, their power play has just been um, such a drag on them. It's it's not even that it's not even scoring goals. It's just most nights it's it's just sucking life out of them. It's It's – offering momentum to the opposition it's um it's it's just uh been such a uh, albatross for them most of the season and um it's it's not even that they should be even average i mean they should be a top 10 power playing league when you think about some of the personnel they have and they've tried anything and everything i mean as of late they've kind of split up in the two units where Sidney crosby and jake gens were on one unit and evgeny malkin and eric carlson are on a second unit and um, they, they did gain a little bit of traction on Friday against the Winnipeg Jets there and, and got two goals on the five-minute major after Brendan Dillon hit uh, Noel Chari. But um, even last night against Minnesota, he goes one for five or one for six. I forget the number off the top of my head. But um, the power play has probably been their biggest issue as far as them not being a power play, a, a playoff caliber team or a playoff position team uh, as of today. Seth, we know nothing about a struggling power play here in Winnipeg because the Jets, <laughs> they score, what would you say, guys, three or four power play goals uh, every night. Obviously, I'm joking, Seth. The Jets are one for 30 in their last uh, 30 power plays. So uh, we know a thing or two about uh, a struggling power play. But, um, I mean, we know that the, the Pens are going to be desperate tonight. Um, I, I just wanted to kind of get away from, you know, the playoff races here for a second and just talk about Marc-Andre Fleury's 1,000th NHL game because – I mean, I, I think I speak for most hockey fans. I mean, he's had a Hall of Fame type of career, right? And I saw Sidney Crosby presented him um, with the painting. We obviously know that Crosby and, and Fleury, Latang, Malkin, I mean, the old guard, they're, they're very tight. But I, I guess just, you know, how special was that for that to happen against the Penguins? And are you getting kind of the, you know, I know this is plain speculation here, um, but are you getting the impression that, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury might be a guy that, you know, somebody acquires prior to the trade deadline? Uh, as far as you know, the the, the occasion of uh, Mark Andre Fleury with the thousandth game, I, I think that was by design. I think he played his thousandth game on like December thirty first or something. Sorry, you're yeah, you're right, you're right. Uh, but I, I think it was by design, just given his connection to the Pittsburgh Penguins that they staged the the event last night. But it was uh, it was certainly seemed like a special occasion. Uh, I think the Penguins players before the game, uh, meaning Crosby, Malk, and Latang, they, they presented him with a, a a nice painting of his some of his notable moments in Pittsburgh. Um, that's a connection that, that still runs deep and will run deep well beyond their playing careers there. Um, he's still a very, very popular person here. In fact, when the Minnesota Wild came into Pittsburgh on December 18th, um, he didn't start. And when they announced uh, Philip Gustafson was a starting goaltender, there were a lot of boos. Uh, so, I mean, he's still a very popular figure here. As far as him being on the move, I mean, you know, the Wild just really don't look like, you know, they're in a 
you know, going to be a playoff team this year. I, I think I saw something the other day. They, they probably would have to pay like seven thirty uh, with a winning percentage to get into the playoffs or get into a playoff position. Um, that's a tall order, especially for a roster that's maybe somewhat limited. So if he's on the move, um, you know, you, you would presume like that that would uh, be something that he could uh, um, he would be open to. Um, my only concern there is um, he's expressed concern in the years past, especially the last few years, that he's he and his family have been on the move quite a bit. And he's got three children. Um, I, you know, that he's has indicated that might be you know something that that might lead to him being retired after this season. He just doesn't want to move and set up shop in a new city and everything like that. So, um, and he and Bill Guerin have a pretty good relationship going back to when they were teammates with the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2009, 2010. Uh, that I think Bill Guerin would would acquiesce to uh, Mark Andre Fleury's you know family situation or or, or preferences. So um, let's put it this way: if Mark Andre Fleury was on the open market, you wouldn't have any shortage of suitors. I just think a lot of it maybe comes down to Mark Andre Fleury's preferences, uh, just based on his family. Seth, I have to ask you about Jansen Harkins. We saw him, you know, obviously drafted by the Jets, saw him for years playing for the Moose, and then, of course, with the Jets a little bit, gets claimed by the Pittsburgh Penguins, and he's played 33 games, has four assists. Uh, how has he looked uh, with the Pittsburgh Penguins this season? When they claimed him, I, you know, I'll confess I wasn't very familiar with him, but he made a pretty quick impression in the preseason, played a couple of preseason games, was um, doing some things, you know, you know, helping contribute some offense, mostly, you know, helping generate points uh, off, you know, assist. Um, he had this nice little play against the Detroit Red Wings in a play in a preseason game where he, you know, basically ticked them off and had three or four of them trying to beat him up and drew a penalty that led to a, to a power play opportunity for the Penguins in the preseason. You're like, well, okay, wow, this guy's a neat little energy player, you know, bottom six. And it was pretty flat for the first four or five games of the regular season. And they, they sent him to Wilkes-Barre Scranton of the American league. And, um, you know, when injuries kind of cropped up to the NHL roster, they brought him up. And it really ever since then, it was, I want to say maybe like mid-November, he's been a staple on their fourth line. Uh, uh, for the most part, it, it was been with Noel Chari and Jeff Carter uh, as of late. It's been with Colin White and Jeff Carter. But um, let's put it that way. He plays a fairly inert game. And I, I don't mean that as an insulting way. I mean, just a lot of nothing happens, good or bad, when he's on the ice. <laughs> Um, his possession metrics uh, are in the black last I checked, uh, albeit very slightly. Um, he has a couple of assists, and they've been pretty good assists, pretty heady plays. He made it sometime maybe between Christmas and New Year's. Uh, but uh, other than that, the, the contributions have been somewhat limited uh, in terms of you know what you might see with the naked eye. Um, but uh, yeah, for the most part, it, he, they seem satisfied with him just in terms of um, being maybe a low event player. And like I said, nothing good or bad seems to happen when he's on the ice. And um, this is a team that's, you know, going back to last year, the bottom six has been a problem for them. So um, being a low event player is, uh, you know, probably going to get you in the lineup for this team. Um, and again, overall, their bottom six has been, you know, less than uh, overwhelming, I guess you could say. And uh, Jansen Harkins, he's, he's been he's been adequate, I would say. I wouldn't say he stands out, but uh, again, I He's in the black when it comes to possessing metrics, and that's something they, they do uh, take a look at. Seth Roba of the Pittsburgh Tribune Review is our guest on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. The Jets and the Penguins later tonight in downtown Winnipeg rematch of Tuesday's game. You know, Seth, you look at the two teams are at the top of the NHL in terms of goals against. You have the Jets, you know, number one, having given up 115 goals. And then the Penguins are tied with the Kings there in second spot at 127. You know, this team... It, it, it's sort of weird. You look at sort of, sort of the raw numbers and you look at the stinginess in terms of the goals against, and it seems like they should be better than they are. You know, 
is the structure of the team, you know, is it a defensive first mentality that is that 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 is the driver of this team's success rate? You know, I just don't you don't necessarily think Pittsburgh and think defensive uh, stinginess in your first thought process around this team. I think it's twofold. First, um, you know, they're, they're a team that's still heavy in, in um, terms of possessing the puck. I mean, when you have guys like Sidney Crosby, Jake Gensel, Eric Carlson, Crystal Tang, Evgeny Malkin, et cetera, um, you're going to have the puck a lot. And it maybe doesn't always translate to goals, particularly with regards to the power play, but uh, the Penguins have the puck quite a bit. So I think that's one one thing that's been working in their favor. And also, too, um, um, I, they made a significant investment into their goaltending. Uh, this past offseason. Most notably, they re-signed Tristan Jari to a five-year contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle Dubas uh, coming in as president of hockey operations and the GM. Uh, he, he had a pretty good talk to uh, with uh, Tristan Jari, flew up to Edmonton to, to speak with him uh, between the time he got hired and the time uh, free agency period opened. And uh, they decided to make a large commitment to Tristan Jari there. On top of that, too, I mean, they bring in Alex Nadelkovic, uh, former Carolina goalie, former Detroit goalie, uh, had two bad years with Detroit. They brought him in here on a one-year deal for $1.5 million. Uh, and the idea was to have him basically, you know, not necessarily just back up and not necessarily compete game for game, but you know, be a kind of like a 1A goaltender who could push Tristan Jari. And, um, both goaltenders have been very good this year. Uh, I mean, there's some games here and there where you know, both of them maybe look uh, a little overwhelmed. But um, for the most part, the, the, this competition, if you will, uh, has, has really, I think, helped and benefited both goaltenders uh, throughout you know most of the season here, I mean Tristan Jari's uh, uh, he leads the league in shutouts now. I think with six, uh, I think as a team they have eight shutouts, which is I think the league best total. So um, yeah, I mean they play okay defensively. I, I wouldn't say it's like a defensive first mentality. I mean you know when you have Eric Carlson on the ice, you're always going to be giving up <laughs> offensive chances against. So, uh, but in just in terms of their puck possession, I think that's benefited, but also. Um, um, they stacked up their goaltending position or improved it this past offseason. I'll even throw Magnus Helberg, who came up for a few games uh, back in October when Jari and, and, and Nedeljkovic were dealing with some injuries too. And he stepped them. He's a, a viable veteran number three goaltender in this league. So um, yeah, the one thing I would, I, I mean, maybe I can ask you guys this. Um, you know, we, now we're talking about you know the Olympics, you know, coming up here in a few years, and they have this uh, Four Nations tournament coming up. I mean, is Tristan Jari Team Canada's goaltender? I mean, I, I just I look around the league, and I don't know that there's many other Canadian-born goaltenders who would, uh, you know, he's got to be in the conversation, conversation, Seth. Right? Like, yeah. it's a I mean, we've we've actually talked quite a bit about this year. Uh, I I think it's undeniable that the U.S. has a big edge over <sighs> Canada right now. I mean, you've got Connor Hellebuck, Thatcher Demko, uh, you've got Jeremy Swayman, and you've Jake got Ottinger. Jake Ottinger, right? And I mean, right there, I think any one of those goaltenders honestly could be Canada's number one goaltender. For me, Aiden Hill is in the conversation, but I absolutely think Tristan Jari has to be in the in the conversation, Seth. And you know, I, I honestly don't think enough people around the NHL are talking about how good the goaltending has been for the Penguins because, as you know, it's 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 been a weakness a little bit in previous years, right? Nadelkovich has been great, Jari's been great. I mean, you just mentioned it, right? Eight shutouts. I mean, that's that's something, right? Like, that's yeah. something that you have to give Jari and Nadelkovic credit um, for how well that they've played, uh, you know, in goal for the Pens. Yeah, I think the big thing, too, for Tristan Jari is he's healthy. I mean, he was not healthy, really, from New Year's Day on uh, last season. I mean, he kind of famously left the Winter Classic in Boston with, um, uh, I think it was like a hip or, or something like that. But it, it, it 
grew into other injuries because he was trying to compensate for it. And uh, he really struggled down the stretch last season. That was one of the reasons the Penguins sort of um, you know, uh, slipped out of the playoff picture last year. So, um, hey, there's still questions about him. He's he's never won a playoff series. Uh, he's never been healthy. He's only been healthy for one of the playoff series he ever played in. He famously kind of flamed out in the uh, um, 21 uh, first round series against the New York Islanders, where he was just atrocious. But um, so that, I mean, there's still some major questions about him as far as you know being a guy who can perform when it really matters. But um, he's had a pretty good rebound this season, uh, just uh, for a variety of reasons. Yeah, another guy I just wanted to throw out there too. I think Drew's got a question, but Connor Ingram, what he's doing with the Coyotes, that's another guy that's been thrown out there as an option for Team Canada at that Four Nations tournament or the Olympics. But yeah, it's definitely the days of Carey Price, Marty Brodeur, Roberto Luongo. I mean, that's those are those days are long gone, Seth. Uh, certainly. I mean, um, and you know, we certainly don't know where, where Russia is going to be standing in terms of the Olympic participation or any kind of Olympic participation, participation but um and look at the Russian goaltenders that have cropped up in recent years. You know, it was just and um, Sorokin with the New York Islanders, uh, you know, uh, um, Vasilevsky with the Tampa Bay Lightning. So uh, there's something to be said for the Russians kind of taking over the position as well, I would say. You know, Seth, got to ask you about Sidney Crosby. I mean, 28 goals in 48 games. I mean, he's, he's back to, you know, 2014, 15, or maybe it's 15, 16 levels where he could score 40 goals easily this season. What is what is different in his game this year that, you know, he hasn't been there the last few years? I'm not sure there's anything different necessarily. And in fact, you know, what he's doing this season is coming without, you know, really a, a, a functional power play. Um, maybe he's a little better five on five. I, you know, He's a guy that you know. If he sees any kind of small deficiency in his game or something where he can improve, he'll he'll work on it, you know, you know, fanatically. Um, you know, I remember early in his career, we, he would be a, a guy when he, he was 18, 19, 20, Um, he was under forty percent in terms of faceoffs, and he's worked at it maniacally. And now he's you know, usually around 56 percent. Um, he might be one of the better faceoff guys in the league now that Patrice Bergeron is retired. So, um. He's a guy that just uh, he doesn't rest on his laurels. He doesn't just you know, um, and that, that's such a cliche thing to say. But I mean, he's routinely one of the final guys off the ice, one of the final guys out of the dressing room. Um, you'll see him a lot of times working with uh, some of their younger guys or guys come up from Wilkes-Barre and working on little things. And um, he's a, he's a rank rat. There's a reason he's the way he is. I mean, he's uh, um, it, it's it's not by accident. He's not a guy. That's, I, I don't want to say he's not naturally gifted. He clearly is, but um, he supplements whatever natural gifts he has with just a, just a fastidious approach to his craft, his vocation. So um, he, uh, again, I don't know that he necessarily is doing anything different. It's maybe just status quo. He's maybe just getting some better results this year. But um, really the numbers he's putting up here offensively are, are remarkable too. When, when again, you, you think about this power play that they have that just is not very functional. Seth, anytime there's a pending unrestricted free agent on a non-playoff team, his name automatically gets mentioned when it comes to the trade deadline. That, of course, leads me to my query about Jake Gensel, who is going to be 30 years old at the start of next year, which actually makes him sort of a younger player on this Penguins team. What do the Penguins do with Jake Gensel? Because it seems like trading him, while it may recoup some young assets, I don't know that young assets are what the Penguins need right now, given where they are, given with Crosby and Malkin still under contract. Is Gensel going to be a candidate to be signed, or do you expect to see him dealt at the deadline? 
I thought you guys were going to ask me about Chad Ruedel, who is a pending free agent, but um, I guess we could talk about Kensel. Next. Um, he'll, be, he'll be the next question we ask. Um, uh, Jake Kensel, um, I think Kyle Dubas is willing to give this team the next three, four weeks to kind of figure out where it is, and then they can you know, move forward with Jake Kensel one way or another. Um, as far as any kind of potential return on a trade, I, I think you need to get NHL-ready assets back, I, a draft pick or – you know, maybe a, a prospect uh, who's still playing junior or whatever, that's not going to help this team right now or in the immediate sense. I mean, they start in the business of competing for – if it doesn't happen this year, they're still in the business of competing for a Stanley Cup or a playoff position next season. So um, you would need to get back uh, at least a top six prospect uh, – a top prospect who's a top six forward, I would argue, um, as the starting point of what you get back. Because um, anything, you know, long term, I mean, that's just uh, that's not going to help the, this team. And yeah, and hey, maybe there's something to be said for them. Maybe needing to start a rebuild, but just the way so many of their contracts are structured with no movement clauses, no trade clauses, um, I, they're locked in to be a competitive team right now, whether they're successful or not. I mean, they're they don't have much choice in terms of how these contracts are structured. And this goes back to you know, when Ron Hextall was a general manager or when Jim Rutherford was the general manager. I mean, this is just how they are constructed. So. Um, the die has been cast for what they are uh, for the next few years. That's not to say you can't trade someone on a no trade clause or no movement clause, but it's difficult. It, it's a little bit more difficult. So um, as far as, you know, trying to resign him, um, I, I think he'd be willing if, if he resigns with the Pittsburgh Penguins, he'd be willing to take a bit of a haircut. I mean, guys like Crosby, Malkin, Latang have, you know, maybe taken a little bit below market value in years past to keep this team together and keep it competitive so they can fill out other parts of the roster. So I think he, he values, what he has here in Pittsburgh, not just because, you know, he gets the opportunity to play with Sidney Crosby, but I think he's very comfortable just with his life here. Um, that said, if things fall through and he opts to go to the open market, I mean, you know, I, I see you know, William Nylander with the what, 11 million there in Toronto. Um, I mean, I would argue Jake Gensel's maybe even a better player than him, at least more productive. I mean, he's had a couple 40 goal seasons. He has a Stanley Cup ring. He was a vital component of that 2017 uh, Stanley Cup uh, championship here in Pittsburgh. He set a couple goal-scoring records for rookies that year. Um, this is a guy who's a proven performer uh, through and through. Um, it may be a little, a little bit of a few concerns with health. I mean, he usually goes in the net even though he's a smaller guy and he gets beat up quite a bit. But um, he's usually in there in the conversation for being a pretty steady 40-goal scorer. Um, I'd have to imagine, you know, if he's on the open market and, you know, uh, Leaving the Pittsburgh Penguins, I, I would have to imagine he and his agent would be looking somewhere around ten million a year. Well, and and you know you mentioned Willie Nealander, Seth, and and Crosby making eight point seven. I think you could argue Crosby's a thirteen million dollar a year player. Like it's it's actually crazy. I mean, I, I obviously we know why he he has that salary, but I mean Crosby's still above a point per game player. So eight point seven, I think to say that's a discount is is an absolute understatement, right? One last question for you. Um, Wanted to ask you about Yessi Pugliarvi. I read your article a couple of days ago for the Pittsburgh Tribune Review about Pugliarvi. Uh, obviously, you know, made his debut against the Jets. He had that hip surgery. When that contract was signed in the offseason, I thought that was such a, a, a good signing by the Pens. And, and obviously, you know, it's, it's only been a few games. But what's the expectation for him, right? Because you forget he's only 25 years old, former it better not be offense. <laughs> well, no, I mean, but I mean, you look at that third line, right? It's, it's Ricard Raquel, Lars Eller. And yes, he Pugliarvi, like on paper, that looks like a, a fantastic third line. And that's what I wanted to ask you, though, because, I mean, it's the second half of the season. He's playing catch up a little bit, but it seems like Pugliarvi could play a, a big role in, you know, the Pens push for the playoff spot. 
Yeah, um, just a point of order. They actually didn't sign him until Sunday, um, this past Sunday. Uh, they brought him in. in oh, December. I thought they signed him in the off season. No, uh, no. I mean, he went the whole off season after he had his surgery in June, and he went the whole off season. Okay. Well I stand corrected. The, all good. Uh, he went well into the season without a contract, and the Penguins brought him in on like a tryout, like mid December, just to see what was going on. And, and really, it was just more like they allowed him to kind of work things out, you know, work, you know, work his body out, rehab a bit, and then they sent, they had him sign a PTO with Wilkes-Barre Scranton. It started January, and he had like nine points in 13 games and looked very good there at that level. So uh, they, they made the commitment here uh, on Sunday to sign him a two-year contract at 800K uh, a season. Um, starting out so far, he's been on the um, on the third line, as you mentioned, with Ricard, Raquel, Lars Eller. I don't know how many third lines in the NHL have three first-rounders on it, but yeah, things exactly. do at the moment. So um, it's, it's very early, uh, but you see some signs that he's a viable NHL player. And for them, I mean um, – you know, just having someone viable to be a bottom six option is is a remarkable triumph, just given how little they've gotten out of their bottom six most of the season this year. So, um, and the the game of Winnipeg, I guess Winnipeg on Friday. I mean, he he made a dump in that I think I think it was Josh Morrissey ended up turning over and Crystal Tang, you know, converted into a, into the opening goal of the game. So he was slightly involved in the offense there. Um, possession wise, he's been in the black slightly in terms of you know shots against shots and shots for and things like that. So. Um, he looks comfortable in terms of his skating. Um, this is a major surgery he had. Though. I mean, he had hip resurfacing on both hips. Um, hips, as anyone who's ever been on a set of skates can tell you, that's a pretty important part of uh, you know your kinesiology <laughs> in terms of skating and things like that. So um, he looks good so far, all through two games. Uh, I, I don't know that they necessarily look at him as being you know the savior of this team or anything like that, but um, just being a contributor, being someone that can you know help you out on a forecheck and maybe help you out with a few offensive contributions from a bottom six role. Um, they, they experimented with him a little bit on their, on their power play the other day in practice when Evgeny Malkin was absent for a maintenance day. So I think they maybe have some thoughts of maybe using him there in that realm. So um, it's a very intriguing, you know, addition to the roster, just given his pedigree as a top four guy, uh, top four pick in the draft in 2016. I, I don't know that he's ever going to live up to those expectations. I don't think Penguins management has those, those types of expectations for him, but Okay, um, Seth, Pierre-Luc Dubois hasn't lived up to them either, so <laughs> had, to, had to get that in there because he was picked third overall, right? Hey, this this is a team that picked Ryan Whitney fourth overall, I think, way back in 2003 or four or something like that, so we're used Yeah, but to he's that. got his own drink, though. He's good. That's true. That's true. That's a, <laughs> something to hang your hat on, I suppose, but um, Jesse Pugliarvi, again, intriguing option. It's very early here, but uh, you know, so far, I think they've been satisfied with him through the first two games here so far. Speaking of your own drinks, we'll have to, next time you're in town, Seth, uh, we'll have to take you out for a couple of those illegal curve loggers that Dave's yep. pointing to behind him there. The beautiful curve logger. Yeah, twist yep. your arm. Exactly right. You know, it will, and even more so, we'll buy. So there you go. That, that, that makes it even Fair more interesting. That's the key part of that, Seth. We'll buy. Yeah. You don't have to pay for them. <laughs> Seth Rorabaugh, Pittsburgh Tribune Review. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Great to see you. Uh, you'll have coverage of tonight's Jets-Penguins game in that uh, fine uh, publication. Thanks again, Seth. Appreciate it, guys. And once again, congratulations. Appreciate Thanks, it. Seth. Take care. Seth, Seth Rorabaugh joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Great little Saturday morning, if I don't say so myself. And, of course, it'll be a great little Saturday night after the Jets and the Penguins. Win or lose, it's always great when we can spend time together here on the Illegal Curve YouTube It's not must channel. win, boys. It's, it's pretty close. can't lose. It's can't yeah. lose. Fair enough. I can I can. I, Put on your antlers. It's time for the Manuk Moose Minute on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show.
when you know, folks when I, folks don't actually I, I was going to tee you up for that and then you <laughs> interrupted me. I was all set to tee up saying it was the first time the moose have been in action since the end of the AHL All-Star break. Yeah. Last night, speaking of Ezzy and Nazra, the camera angle in Grand Rapids had Dave feeling Ooh. a little bit green around the gills, and then you, you start over? interrupt me instead. Well, I will say that as much as I love doing the Manuk Moose Minute, I, I think I love when Ezzy or I randomly play the bumper and then you watching your reaction, which unfortunately yeah. the folks in the chat don't get to see, but watching you, you see the little veins back. in Mendel's forehead, you can just see them bubbling. So I, I won't go too long uh, today. The Moose were in action yesterday against the Grand Rapids Griffins. They, of course, had Axel Janssen Fielbe in the lineup. Uh, he was, clear, of course, cleared waivers earlier this week. So he was able to uh, make it to Grand Rapids. He was in with uh, the Moose and Thomas Millich. He got the start. He won three of the four. He had three of the four wins that they picked up uh, in the five games preceding the All-Star break, giving the Moose a little bit of a bump, pushing them back into the playoff conversation. But uh, things didn't get off to a great start. Uh, well, it was an interesting start. Audio-wise, unfortunately, we had to listen to the Grand Rapids Um audio we didn't get a chance to listen to daniel fink uh grand rapids has some very good play-by-play guys although it was funny because i texted the moose guys because at one point their audio was live like during the commercial break so he's like oh hey how are your kids are they this, this kid i'm like so i texted hot one of the moose mike. guys I'm hot like, mike well i texted I, as you know obviously we've done that back in the day a few times but so i said uh <laughs> i texted the moose the guy day, I'm like, as you swore on air two weeks ago <laughs> yeah that's true but i said i texted the moose guys yeah, but like, we're not do... we're not on commercial radio anymore drew exactly. we can do that exactly. and get away with it <laughs> yeah you exactly. swore on commercial radio also so anyway so i was like i was like do they know that they're on he goes well yeah i sent them a note but they don't seem to care i'm like all right because like literally they could go to commercial break but anyways the moose were found themselves down three nothing uh gave up it was two nothing after 40 gave up a goal early in the third period to be down three nothing and you're like okay well here they go again Thomas Millich was playing real well, as I was just alluding to. And, um, but then they started to fight back. Christian Reichel, nice goal. His 10th of the season. It's amazing because I think he's got five goals in his last seven and he hadn't scored for majority of the season. So nice to see him kind of get things going for the Moose. And then Nikita Chibrikov with a nice assist, probably the nice assist of the game by Michael Hutchinson, the Grand Rapids goaltender, of course, former Moose Jets goalie who behind the net passed it, tried to pass it out in front. And for some reason, didn't see Nikita Chibrikov skating right across his field of vision. So Chibrikov intercepted that, put it into the empty net. That was his 14th goal of the year. That came 10 seconds after Christian Reichel's goal. And then I think it was about a minute and 56 seconds later uh, or so, Dawson Bartow, the Manitoban, he blasted home his third of the season to make it a three-all game. Uh, the game would need extra time. Nothing was solved in overtime. Milic was very good in overtime. And then they decided to go on a 10 round shootout which is not the longest i was talking with the moose guys i think the longest was a, te- a 12 or 13 rounder against texas a few years back but 10 rounds is pretty uh pretty significant and in the third round and if you haven't seen it we've got it on our youtube channel i posted it last night we've got it on our instagram i see dave on my twitter nikita chibrikov scoring in the third round and then silencing the crowd he had to score because uh, grand rapids had scored on one of their first three shots so Chibrikov was the third shooter for the Moose. He scored, and then after he scored, he made the little silencing motion, which was very funny, uh, very cold uh, celebration. That was critical. Then Vili Hainola in the fifth yeah, round. You can't silence the crowd unless it's a game winner. Mm, the, the, I don't the know. shootout went seven more rounds after that. I understand, but well, they were booing him. He silenced the crowd. Yeah, he silenced them. He did. And anyways, He's the a point silencer. is that 
he's a silencer. So he uh, then Billy Hainola in the fifth round, he had to score and he did. So he extended the shootout and then did he silenced well, the crowd. He did not. He was more just he's just more accepted that he scored the goal. Uh, you know, he's a few more. He's got a few more years on uh, Chivakov. So uh, Hainola just accepted that he scored. And then ultimately uh, they went to the 10th round where Grand Rapids scored. The Moose did not. So they uh, fall in uh, a shootout, but they earned themselves a point. And they've got nine points in their last 12. So that's a good little run for the Moose. And they'll be back in action tonight at 6 o'clock against Grand Rapids to finish this portion of the road trip off. And then they go off to Calgary to play the Wranglers, I think, Tuesday and Thursday or Tuesday and Wednesday. There you go, if Dave. I could just, have... if I could, sorry, Drew, if I could just say one thing here about Thomas Millich, because Dave mentioned, you know, Millich was was excellent last night. Let's not forget that he's 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And when we were talking about the Jets drafting him, what, what did we talk to? Uh, I, I think you asked Craig Button, or you might have asked uh, Stephen Ellis. Dave, I forget, in the uh, before the draft. Like a lot of the, you know, a lot of the, I guess, the knocks on him were he, being an overager with the Seattle Thunderbirds, right? Mm-hmm. A little bit smaller. Millich just is a, plays well at every single level. So all I wanted to say is I don't necessarily I'm not saying that Thomas Millich is going to be, you know, playing for the Jets next year. Yeah. Just keep an eye on Millich over the next two or three years because all the guy does is win and play well. And I don't think a lot of people thought Millich, what does he play? Nine games now for the Moose, Dave? Uh yeah. Eight, 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 eight or nine games? Something like all that. All I'm saying yeah. is just remember he's 20 years old. This guy's gonna be you know, a pro goaltender for a long time. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's all Ezzy's saying. It. Uh, you're right, though, Ezzy. It's something to keep a close eye on uh, Thomas Milich and his impressive play so far for the Manitoba Moose in the start of his pro career. Dave will have coverage, of course, of everything Moose-related here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, the Illegal Curve postgame show with the Manuk Moose Minutes, and as well on IllegalCurve.com. I just realized Colby was at... Colby, had, sorry, as an aside, Colby was at... Our photographer was... And it's technically now our videographer right. was actually at Canada Life. So, I mean, we could have actually played Rick Bonus's morning media availability, but now that Colby recorded it, we'll have it on the uh, pregame report, which is live on illegalgurve.com. Do I need to remind you what's happened every single time we've tried to play the, the video so far this year on the show? It's where Colby it hasn't worked drew, at all. Colby has put in some extraordinary work and bought a lot of equipment in order to make this work for us. So, uh, well, let's hope that, that we'll have that issue resolved, but, uh, we'll see, we'll see, uh, another time. <laughs> I, but I, I have, what, what he may be able to do yeah. is what, what Ezzy and I might even test it out tonight okay. is we could invite him into the stream yard and then we'll play, we'll simultaneously live stream it while also recording it. <laughs> Look at us juggling. We've got so many balls up in the air. It's amazing what we I can mean, do. Let's be here. realistic. None of that's going to happen. None, and it's none of that's like, going to work. <laughs> but anyways, whatever. We'll give it a We'll give it a shot. Okay. One sentence from each of you. Super Bowl predictions. Get them on the record. It's the game's tomorrow. It's the Chiefs and the 49ers. If you don't know, who wins, Dave? How do I know? I don't watch football. Um, hey, Ezzy, who wins? Taylor KC. Swift. KC. Dave's going KC. Ezzy's going Taylor Swift. I'm also going to 27-24. Okay, there you go. Dave's even given us the prediction. Taylor exactly. Swift. Taylor Swift is who as he is. And does, for it even mat- does it even matter who wins? Like, I just want to see Usher and Little John. I just want to have my snacks. And I, the, I think the bigger question is: Doesn't Taylor Swift have a concert in Japan? And she's got to fly yeah, from Japan to, to Vegas. Like, let's just hope that she makes it there. But uh, you know what? One of my I have an uncle. He lives in Arizona now. My uncle Billy. He used to live in San Francisco. Obviously, beautiful city. Um, 
he he used to send me 49ers merchandise. So I was always a bit of a 49ers fan. So I'm going to go 49ers. I, I don't know. Let's go uh, 2117. Um, but I, I don't I feel bad saying that because Huss is a big Chiefs yeah. fan and he obviously wants the Chiefs to win. But I'll, I'll go Niners. OK, Dave says uh, 40. Dave says Chiefs. As he says, 49ers, I say Chiefs as well. I don't want Huss mad at me. Uh, big thanks to everybody for joining us oh, this morning. Actually, hold on. It's Hustler's birthday. Happy birthday, Hustler. Yeah, there you go. That's Happy right. 21st birthday, Huss. <laughs> Double that, maybe, and, and you're getting a little bit closer. Uh, big thanks to all the sponsors of Illegal Curve who make the Saturday show, the, the post-game show, and the website a possibility. Our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Grid Park, use code Illegal Curve to park for free. Linden Market Dental Center, Zapia Group Realty, Bethway, Tough Duck, Boston Pizza, Seagram's, Rolly's Transfer, and of course, Farmery Beer. Support these fine businesses because of their continued support of illegal curve hockey. The Jets and the Penguins later on this evening around 6 o'clock thereabouts. Uh, coverage all day long on illegalcurve.com and then after the game the illegal curve post game show back here on our youtube channel be sure to join us if you haven't already done so subscribe to the channel smash the like button and tell your friends tell your family the best place to be each and every saturday morning and after each and every winnipeg jets game is here on the on the illegal curve youtube channel big thanks to jpvj Big thanks to Seth Rohrabaugh. If you missed either of those interviews, the immediate replay is on the YouTube channel. And of course, the podcast will be available shortly. Big thanks to all of you for joining us tonight here or this morning on the program. For Dave Manouk, for Ezra Ginsberg, I'm your host, Drew Mandel. If it's Saturday, it's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show live on YouTube and all of our social media platforms. Shake it off. Shake it off. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.